What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SoCo Show. It's episode number 104, and if you know Division, you know that it's an Octaversary episode. We celebrate every eight episodes with an Octaversary, and this is this is yet another one. Would and, this also, uh, if I'm thinking about it, would this also be a two-year anniversary? Th- it's very close. Because um, technically, it would... When our, based oh, off yeah, 52 weeks. Yeah. Man. Oh, fuck yeah. Two years. <laughs> oh, I didn't we're gonna, even realize that. We're going to celebrate two years by doing absolutely nothing special. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome. It's an episode, uh, an episode like every other. Uh, and as always, uh, this is, of course, the co-host, Cody Michael, and I'm joined, as per usual, by the so-host, Seth Ott. <laughs> yes, usual, uh, a term that everyone uses still. <laughs> We were talking. We were talking before we recorded, and I said that I just I just acquired a fidget spinner this week. And you said, "Welcome to 2016." <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I might be stuck there with my lingo as well. I don't think people are using "huge" in 2016 either. I think that was more of a 90s thing. Oh well, fuck. Or 2000s. I don't know. I'm a man out of time, um, <laughs> which I I actually get that a fair amount. So, um, but anyway, we're here in 2019. And uh, we're going to bring you a lot of stuff. Uh, big, big thing going on this past weekend, San Diego Comic-Con. So we got a lot of news coming out of that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to review a few things, including Disney's The Lion King, which I'm very excited to talk ah! about later on in the show. Exactly. Um, and uh, a bunch of goofy shit in between. Uh, got a fun Mambo number 5 I'm excited to get into as well. But um, Seth, you, you said I, I, need a, I need a forum. I, I have something that I've been thinking about and I want to talk about it. Let's uh, let's hear what's on your mind. Well, you mentioned uh, go, going back in time a little bit, 90s and 2000s, and I had a thought the other day. So at at my office, uh, the the break room slash kitchen is very close to where I where I sit, and so I get to smell everyone's delicious quote unquote <laughs> food being made, and I sometimes smell things that take me back to when I was in elementary school specifically the school lunches and i i know we've had this conversation before <laughs> where i've talked about Are school lunches. Talk about that fucking thanksgiving lunch no i mean not not specifically <laughs> but that's the thing is like it kind of makes me sad every time i smell that because i can't i'll never have that food again and i know you don't like school food but you know as as a, as a fat kid who grew up on four meals a day or four meals a week, uh, specifically, like just the same four meals all the time uh, in my household. You know, I, I appreciated the school lunches sometimes because it was different than cheeseburgers and chicken. So, you know, I, I, I look fondly on that and, and I miss that. I, I miss the, the, the taco nachos of the world and the, <laughs> the square pizza of the world. Yeah, yeah, the Thanksgiving dinner. You know what? Fuck you, Cody. I miss that too. <laughs> so. I, it just makes me sad. I, it, was there any school lunch you liked at all? I mean, there are ones I liked. I just don't. I don't hearken back to them in the same and, way you do. So I'm the only one that craves them every every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I rather enjoyed like pizza and. Um, but you never crave it anymore. Like you've never had a craving for it since you've been no, out of school. Because every pizza I've had since then was better than that pizza. So <laughs> my my craving for school pizza has been replaced by craving for other types of pizza. <laughs> I was taking a drink and I almost choked when you said every pizza I've had has been better. Uh, that's true though. That's like, that's like, um, that's not true at all. 
I you've had you had plenty of frozen pizzas that are probably not better. You went to you I I saw what you ate in college. Yeah, I did eat a lot of jacks. Hell, I saw uh, what you ate after college for like 5 years. I know you <laughs> ate worse food. <laughs> I think the other thing too is I don't I don't have the same relationship as with food as you do. Um, yeah. I I like food, I do. I love eating good food too. Um but I don't, I don't have any like, I don't know. Food doesn't really have an emotional attachment for me. Very rarely mm. do I have do I have an experience where I'm like, oh, food reminds me of this, or I am nostalgic for this meal. Uh, that's just never been a thing for me, and especially not the school lunches, because, like, yeah, they were fine when you know we were ten years old or whatever, and I didn't know any better, and uh, like that was not a pizza burger we were eating. <laughs> <laughs> that was something ungodly. <laughs> Because I've had pizza burgers since then, and it wasn't that. Um, the Mr. Ribs. How do you get a rib-shaped sandwich without any bones hey, in it, Seth? They still they still do that. That you can get those at your local uh, your, your your local gas station. You can get those at McDonald's every once in a while. I prefer the gas station ones though. Uh, nothing like nothing does a good meal like a good gas station entree. Oh God! But and look, I'm not. This isn't me being a snob. Like you're a snob. I, I'm not. I'm not saying like I eat a lot of McDonald's, so I, I don't mm-hmm. have room to be like my palate is so refined. Yeah. I, but um, I honestly, I just never had. I never thought fondly of school lunch, and so I don't. Any, I don't now either. Yeah, I can't wait to come out to Bend in a month and you'd be like, all right, I'm going to take you to our finest establishment. Just look up and find those golden arches in the sky, and you know that's what we're eating. <laughs> The McDonald's here is a lot better than the one back home, though. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man. No, actually, I'm, I'm stoked to have you out here because there is a lot of good food in Bend. And um, I haven't explored it all yet. So uh, I'm excited to try some try some new spots and stuff. And well, stuff. If, if I know us, it's basically going to be us uh, being like, uh, I'm really hungry. Let's go <laughs> to mcdonald's or one other chain place uh, yeah, i know you i know right. you want to uh take me to, to del taco so i'm oh, gonna yeah. del taco's br- happening i'm gonna go to to sam's club and grab myself a uh a bulk size uh bulk size container of emodium uh to bring with me <laughs> that's probably a good idea and you're gonna need to bring your own toilet paper Mm, good yeah i probably should i I feel like the everything's so environmentally conscious out they want to keep the trees up out there everything's probably one ply sandpaper and so i'm gonna have to bring that that that, uh three ply moist towelette uh packaging that i that i have so yeah the one that's killing the planet Mm -hmm. um it's killing the planet but it's making my bum feel good (laughs) that's uh i guess that's a fair trade-off the actually quick quick story when i very first moved into this apartment I got here like late at night after 12 hours driving and was really tired. So I didn't, I didn't like go to the store. So I just had like an air mattress I threw on the ground and I like, I ate some Sonic and watched, watched something on, I actually watched Adam Sandler's hundred percent fresh on my cell phone. So I was really bare bones in it, but I had to do, I had to go to the bathroom, uh, number two style. And (laughs) I didn't have any tea paper. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I have no tea paper, but my apartment complex was still under construction. So I went out to the porta potties for the construction guys and I stole I stole a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> oh my god. And I brought it into the house. I didn't go in the porta potty. I'm not a savage. Um, yeah, that's but I the... brought the toilet paper. And so I still have that like really crappy industrial um, one ply tea paper in my uh, in it's like in the in the cabinet underneath my sink. 
uh, and it reminds me of my humble beginnings here in Bend. I was gonna say, some would say that's the lowest point in your life. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be coming out there to make a big change and start anew, and instead you thieved toilet paper from the grossest location that you possibly could have found. I be- Construction porta potty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really should have just went in the porta potty because you literally just burgled the the toilet paper from that place. Oh, I totally did. I totally fucking did. I'm not proud of it, but uh, you know what, Seth? It's Some- experiences like that. Oh, I didn't mean to hit that. <laughs> it's experiences like that 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 have you know. Uh, as a whole, it's a lot of experiences like that that have made me who I am today. So You know, you probably ruined a construction worker's day because construction workers aren't known for their uh, for their ch- best choice in cuisine. So fucking mm-hmm. Gerald, who had a fucking gut buster from the, the gas station the night before, <laughs> went, went in there to go to go excavate that stuff. And, and instead, he had to use a sock. So you should go apologize okay. to Gerald. So... I, I want to make one thing clear. I did leave like there were other rolls in there. I didn't I didn't leave them high and dry. Uh, so Gerald was able to wipe his bum with that terrible terrible toilet paper. Um, but uh, yeah, so I stole and the one I stole was like a partial roll too. Did you? I hate to ask this, but I'm gonna. Did you? That's the title of this week's episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, did you go and then realize shit? I don't have toilet paper, or did you pre-plan the toilet paper? Uh, it was thievery. Yeah, so it was like the middle. It was like the middle of both of those things. Like I yep. walked into the bathroom, like, all right, here we go, and then saw like hard zoom in with like a loud sound effect <laughs> on the empty toilet paper roll next to the toilet, <laughs> and me being like, oh no, and um, like gathered my things because I thought I was gonna have to like go to the store, mm. and went outside and saw the porta potty, and I was like, wait a minute, I can just, <laughs> and then I did. The rest, <laughs> as they say. History. <laughs> All right. So when uh, when the city of Bend uh, sues you for for uh, taking their property, we the the in court this will be admissible that you this was a premeditated uh, toilet paper thievery. <laughs> That's good. I'm going to jail, um, but before I go to jail, we're gonna have to get this episode in the books for sure. Um, let's uh, let's get into all the stuff that we're getting ready to talk about today, but we're going to start. I can have, I did not expect to tell that story today, Um, (laughs) but I'm glad we got there. I'm glad we talked about cafeteria lunches and um, toilet paper theft. And you know where they have free toilet paper at prison. So, Oh, prison. (laughs) So, so, so when you go there, free toilet paper for you. Yeah. uh, Toilet paper, not the top item on my list of concerns with regards to my butt. If I go to prison, but um, <laughs> it's good to know that that stuff is free. Yeah, that was. Um, oh, that's nasty. That was gross. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get into the show. We're going to start like we always do with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. All right. So every, every, every few months we get a big internet trend phase whatever you want to call it that comes along this week was the face app where people wanted to look old for some reason and give oh, their God. face to the russians they're coming to take your faces so <laughs> the iron Sheik had to of course comment because he is the he is the sultan of pop culture so the iron Sheik said hello hashtag face app 
go fuck yourself and your jabroni face. I suplex the AI and never respect you, jabroni. Oof. Burn. I think um, the Sheik is kind of contrarian. You know, he never really does mm-hmm. go for all these trends. It's true. The salt in the pop culture. Did he do a uh, Did he do a bottle cap challenge? I doubt it, but he probably would have put it in the camel clutch and made it humble if he did. So, you're goddamn right. He would have. Sheiky doesn't care about those fucking face apps because he already looks like he already looks like the uh, the legend of the earth. So, shouts out to the Sheik. Uh, I had a new listener I was talking to recently uh, said, uh, "What the fuck is that segment?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that... and. Uh, that's easily my favorite review of not only that segment but the show in general. So <laughs> critics are raving. <laughs> critics are raving. What the fuck is this show? <laughs> uh, if you do want to get more of an insight into the Iron Sheik and why we pick his tweets out to highlight every week, uh, go on the tweets and follow him at uh, the underscore Iron Sheik. Uh, but if you're not following him or if you don't have time to read it all, don't worry because we're giving you the best of the best right here on the Soko Show. I call you a punk. All right, so let's get into some news and other stuff today. Uh, we're going to start no with a little bit. Oh, yeah, we're going to do some ads first. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd think after 104 episodes I would know what the fuck I was doing. Not the case. You want me to do it? I'll do it for you. All right. Uh, go ahead. Vi- let's switch go, roles. Uh, Audible, they they do stuff for us. Uh, go on there. You can get a thing for free. Free! Uh, Steph, free! Steph, 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 Steph Designs. Uh, she's great. Mathis Designs. There we go. Uh, design the logo. She's great. If you want your uh, stuff to look good, Steph paid. And Mike's Cha-ching. Wood. He's got a boner. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to the show. You're much more efficient at that than I am, so <laughs> I think we're going we're gonna to let you be the uh, the ads guy from now on. Uh, don't forget to hit up all of our sponsors. Uh, links in the description box. Um, please use their services. Uh, for now, though, we are going to do the thing I said we were going to do a second ago, and we're going to get into some news and stuff, and we're going to start in the realm of television. That's what she said. TV. All right. So uh, this week's TV news is a very exciting uh, thing to me, and uh, it comes to us from the world of Netflix. Uh, Seth, big news this week. Yes, uh, BoJack Horseman was nominated for an Emmy. Woo! Yay. It was. Uh, Emmy nominations did come out. Normally we go over them, but uh, with, with all the Comic-Con stuff, I figure we'll probably go over them later, probably go, them, go over them before the, the ceremony or whatever. So mm-hmm. check out Emmy stuff. Very excited about that. Um, but no, Netflix. They are in negotiations with Eddie Murphy, the donkey from oh, yeah. Shrek, for most people know. <laughs> Or Dr. Doolittle. And Dr. Doolittle. Actually, he's most notably known for The Clumps, um, Mm. which is probably the the best uh, achievement in in cinema uh, of our childhood. So go check out The Clumps. Talk about some shit that would never get made now. Or The Norbits. Or or Norbit. Norbit was fucking dope. That was a good movie. Uh, Is that the one where he had like a really, he was like a little bitch guy and he had like a really big, tough girlfriend? (laughs) Yeah. And he played both. Um, Oh, I didn't know he played the girlfriend in that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, uh, Eddie Murphy has not done stand up in many years and people have been clamoring for it for a long time. Finally, we have word that he is in negotiations with Netflix for a $70 million deal to produce a new, to produce and star and perform a new stand up special on Netflix. 
is the um, so I am among those who really, really wants him to come back out and, and do this again. Do you have enough detail? Is it one show? Is that what he's getting paid I to think, do? One I think fucking it's just special? One. Yeah, that I think is it's just insane. One. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, he's, but, he's already a rich man, but he'll be even richer after that. But with with the, uh, it came out this week that quarter two Netflix lost like a hundred some thousand subscribers and it's the first dip they've had or whatever. You know, they, they need to stay. They need to stay ahead of Disney now with all Disney just announced their lineup with and they did it really smart by announcing their Disney Plus shows as a part of the MCU, like mm-hmm. official MCU. So you have to watch that in order to keep in the know with the MCU. So it's a big deal. And Netflix needs to stay ahead with it. Yeah, I think comedy is one way they can do that. They put out a lot of comedy and, and HBO is certainly like the other competitor in comedy. And I think in quality, they tend to be better. HBO does, but um, Netflix is doing it with volume. And mm-hmm. I know I, I really enjoy most of what I watch on on Netflix comedy wise. And this Eddie Murphy thing would be very, very fucking huge. Like there's like there's like two or three generations of people who would would rush out or I guess, you know, rush home to uh, to watch this. And I would certainly be one of them. So if we do get this, I think it's going to be one of those big landmark comedy specials. But like it's also interesting, too, because back when he was doing a lot of stand up, like a lot has changed mm-hmm. in the world since then. And he's there's he's not getting away with most of the stuff <laughs> that he was getting away with back then. Right. And uh, but he's obviously he's an older man. He's grown. He's got a family and stuff now. So maybe that's not the type of stuff he wants to tell. But it's going to mm-hmm. be really interesting to see how he's changed and matured as a comic, because usually you see that happen gradually over time. But with like him and I think Chappelle and maybe even Adam Sandler to an extent, um, they go away from stand up for so long and they come back as like a different person. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see what Eddie Murphy is going to bring uh, if we do get this special. I am stoked. This is some yeah. of the best news I've gotten all week. <laughs> You had a poor week, um, <laughs> but but uh, no, it's, it's it's exciting. Like you said, Netflix does their 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 entire strategy is just basically a shotgun method where they spray out a bunch of shit. They they just shoot a bunch of shit out there and hope some of it does some damage and, and catches some some attention. Uh, but yeah, they did actually reach out to me to produce and direct your next uh, stand up special, which I will be recording when I come out to Bend on my phone and they offered me $70. So I'm very excited for that one. <laughs> that's uh, that's more than we're worth. So uh, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you took that deal. Cody Michael and Eddie Murphy specials coming soon. It's true. Um, you can only watch one. So sorry, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's get out of TV news. Like, like Seth said, we did have Emmy nominations come out this week. Um, specifically, When They See Us was featured very heavily and uh, there's some stacked categories that I'm excited to talk about, and we'll probably do that in, a, in an upcoming episode because um, there are a couple categories that I'm excited to get your thoughts on. A lot of really great not- Emmy stuff that we're going to get into in a future episode, but uh, for now, we're going to move forward. We're going to switch over to movies uh, for the rest of our show, and we're going to start by making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! I'm really excited for this week um, because uh, last week we had a quote by The Rock. And so what I know about this upcoming quote is that it's going to be from one of The Rock's movies. And there is terrible dialogue in all of them. So I'm excited to hear uh, what you dug up. So this is going to be a quote... Uh, from a film, I have to find the film, 
and the person who said it, it won't be The Rock, but it'll be in one of his movies. So uh, what, what, what have you got for me? I have. Ronnie, I need your help. Because as much as I know about laptops, I don't know shit about computers. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good quote. I don't expect you to know the character's name. Because I know for a fact you've seen this movie once and once only. And I believe we drank before this movie. Okay, I think I know the movie. I'm going to struggle with the character. Okay, is it Baywatch? It is. Okay, um, then it must be Zac Efron then. Sure is. Okay. Um, got it. You know what? That was a movie that I was really, really stoked on. And uh, that movie stunk. Like, it had a couple fun things, and it was nice looking at all the, you know, hot women the whole time. But, like, man, what a bad movie. (laughs) I thought there was some funny stuff. Going back through the quotes, I thought there were some funny lines. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a well-put-together movie. And uh, that guy's dick got caught between the the beach chair. That was uh, was a little much. But... uh... (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what the fuck 2001 comedy is this? That guy's dicks are getting stuck in things. I still have a soft spot for some 2000 comedies, though. Well, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. But, like, it's like a it's like a nostalgic. Like, if you watched Out Cold for the first time, you would think it was so stupid. Uh, and that's another one. I'm pretty sure a guy gets his dick stuck in a hot tub in that one. Mm, good. Um, I know. Uh, I know. At Jared Buckendall. Is a fan of that movie. So he's hopefully <laughs> agreeing with us wherever it is he's listening. Um, he's actually in a hot but, tub he's been, he's been there for a while <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so we had Zach Efron in Baywatch do you want to know uh, his top- character's name uh yes Matt Brody Matt oh god what a fucking yeah. fraternity ass name so glad so glad that it was from the 2017 classic uh Baywatch what a, what a film what a film. That's it for this week's Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. All righty. We alluded to it before. Uh, we're going to talk some San Diego Comic-Con uh, news, uh, as well as a couple other fun items uh, this week in movie news. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. Okay, so a lot of this is going to come from the MCU. Here's a piece of news, actually, that did not come from San Diego Comic-Con, but is, uh, I think, safe to say the biggest movie news of all time. Um, Just today, uh, Sunday the 21st of July, uh, I was notified uh, by several sources that uh, Avengers Endgame has finally passed Avatar, and has the highest box office, uh, worldwide box office of all time. And so it took him, uh, took him just under, what, three months? Yep. Came out at the end of... Came 26th, out at the end of, uh, April? April 26th. Yeah. So just under three months, uh, it's made just fucking gobs of money. Everyone and their brother went to it three times. They had to do the, they had to do the extra push with the re-release, um, but they did get it in, in just, just in time to put it out on VOD soon. Um, so a lot of the, uh, a lot of the people involved pretty stoked on it. Uh, something that I knew I knew, but I didn't really think about today. Zoe Saldana in both of those movies. Oh yeah. Uh, Av- Avatar and, uh, Avengers Endgame. 
in one of them she's blue and one of them she's green which is funny to me <laughs> uh, but uh cool for her and cool for the whole cast and crew of avengers endgame obviously this was the goal the whole time mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool that they did it and they did it a lot faster than avatar too i think that's pretty cool that they were able to do it on essentially their first their first run mm-hmm. uh, and it'll continue to climb a little bit over time uh, i wouldn't be surprised if we got a re-release of this at some point to see if they could get to three billion uh, um, that'd be a tall order but but uh, oscar season wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all it's going to come out again during oscar season i think this will be this will be a heavy uh heavy push by marvel and disney to get it in the oscar conversation now it has been it has been really well reviewed um you had really good performances here. A lot of people talking about Downey Jr. especially. Um, do you think Endgame has actual Oscar potential? Or would this be more of like a lifetime achievement, like Lord of the Rings 3 kind of, um, you know, rewarding the entire series rather than just this movie specifically? The latter. Uh, definitely like an, a lifetime thing. It's uh, It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's not only just... It's not only just like the box office thing, but just the the achievement of putting that many things together into one movie that I think the Academy and now the Academy is adding in all these, you know, they're adding in all these new members and a lot younger members. And and I think that it that the movie has a better shot because of the the, the structure now. And, and again, giving it it's it's just it's it's a. Uh, it's it's due here because of what it what it did and and the in the money thing and all that. So, yeah, uh, Disney Marvel is certainly going to push hard for it. Um, I'm curious about what you think. You so you've seen a few um, you know potential Oscar uh, films and performances. Uh, based on what you've seen, otherwise, do you think Downey Jr. has a legit shot at at a, at a nomination for his acting? I think if they were to do supporting actor, I think that would that would be a much better shot. I think that would make sense. He's definitely up there for one of my favorite performances of the year so far, but you know, it's support or lead actor versus supporting actor, same thing with actor with actress as well. It's a it's a much different game and I think the the academy is much more willing to give someone a supporting actor win or nomination be, than in, in that type of situation like just like the Joker with Heath, Heath Ledger back in the day that was supporting actor. They they were able to do that not only because he, you know, died, but but because you know, it's it wasn't as big. It wasn't like oh, this is the the crowning thing. That you know, lead actor and lead actress are looked at as, as this high status thing. Compared to supporting, it's not as big of a deal. So I think, I think if they were to do supporting actor, he would have a much better shot at winning that and being nominated in the first place. Yeah, and don't be surprised if Disney Marvel plays that game. Uh, I've only been aware of this happening once before, where they're like strategically trying to like decide how they submit. Uh, and that was Fences a few years ago. Viola Davis uh, intentionally uh, submitted for supporting actress rather than lead actress mm-hmm. um, because the the field was more winnable and she did win. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised here because, yeah, you could – I could see a person making an argument that, that he's the lead in that film. But there's so much going on that there really isn't any lead in that film. Mm-hmm. So it would – I think it would make total sense for him to go up as supporting. And I think you're right. If he goes up as supporting actor, has a pretty decent shot at actually winning that thing. I think too. I I heard this week that the Joker movie is kind of position, trying to position themselves into being in uh, festival circuits and Oscar conversations, and I think Joaquin Phoenix will be 
trying to go for because obviously he's the lead of that movie so i think he'll be trying to go for the lead actor so we could potentially be living in a, in a world where there's two superhero lead or not lead but two superhero actors or perfor- uh, performances being nominated for oscars this year depending on how joker turns out obviously but that that would be that would be pretty crazy to see yeah that is i mean talk about the the change you know during our lifetimes of, of what gets nominated and what wins um pretty wild to see and i am stoked for the joker um i'm fully in for that movie i'm loving all the pre-looks and things that we've seen i think it's going to be a really different take and uh, i hope joaquin phoenix does get nominated because that dude fucking balls so uh, well i do know for sure that in 2022 the 2022 oscars that uh keanu reeves will be nominated for his performance in john wick chapter four seth's orgasm (laughs) that's the (laughs) that's the subtitle it's going to be a lot shorter movie than the last one, huh? It, it will be. Didn't. Shh. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's, let's continue to talk MCU because we got a shitload of news out of San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and I'll try, to, I'll try to roll this out in a way that makes sense. Um, we got the entire slate of Phase 4 films, and we got some Disney Plus shows announced we got all the release dates we got some casting news and some exciting plot details so let's just we'll just give it the rundown here uh, i'm working from an article i'll post a link to this from marvel.com that talks about all this stuff first of all we know uh marvel's the eternals is going to be coming out um we have a november of 2020 release date um angelina jolie you already knew is in the cast selma hayek brian tyree henry um, you have Kamel Nanjiani has joined this cast. Uh, it's a pretty big cast for this Eternals movie. Uh, something that I think that I think that Marvel knows it can pull the Eternals off because of Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. because no one knows shit about the Eternals, myself included. And this will be an interesting test to see if they still are able to do that in the way that they did with Guardians. Uh, and I think the Eternals is going to have a lot to do with how the MCU MCU is shaped going forward like on a physical basis like um the size of the cosmos and the 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 scale of time and some dimensionality type stuff uh with some of the other other releases that are coming out but uh you know knowing that they're going the route of eternals really expanding out into the cosmos um and it seems like this is one of the big tent poles that they're going to be relying on do you think they're going to have success with this one um and, and with going a little bit away from the realism that I think made the Infinity Saga so good? Well, uh, one, you're, it's bothering me you didn't go in chronicl- chronological order because uh, the, the, Scar- the, the Black Widow movie comes out first. Um, <laughs> okay. But, but, uh, Take it no. up with this article, man. <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, it's... it's it's just like the the with anything with Marvel. They they could I've said it before. They could come out with a movie called Poop the Movie and it would do well. So I mean, it's 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 gonna do well no matter what. And that cast is pretty awesome. I I see what you're saying about like the the cosmic thing, but the the majority of the movies coming out are still and shows still appear to be Earth based. So I think this is just kind of. Expanding the lore a little bit, but I don't think they're going fully into the spacing. I still, I still think everything's going to be based in, you know, on Earth and all that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the Phase Four slate is interesting. Um, and I, I think the Eternals has something to do with Thanos and all that stuff as well, if I remember correctly. So I think that we'll, we'll still have some sort of relation into it through that. I think. 
Mm -hmm. And I think some, um, so I heard, and I don't know if this is true or if you can verify, that we've actually met a couple of Eternals already. Um, The Grandmaster, um, Jeff Goldblum, Mm. and uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro, um, who is the collector. Uh, I've, I was told that they are Eternals. I, I don't know if that's been confirmed by Marvel or not, but uh, so maybe they're like already out there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to continue with this uh, this article and its order, especially because I know it bothers you. Um, <laughs> we have here uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we've known about this for quite some time. Now it's an extra interesting kind of, uh, kind of twist to it uh, because the Falcon is also sort of the new Captain America. So we'll get an update to his character uh, after Endgame. They had Anthony Mackie come out with the shield uh, at the at the Comic-Con panel, which is pretty cool. Uh, hmm. Sebastian Stan, of course, is back as Winter Soldier. And uh, what they also revealed is that Daniel Bruhl's uh, Baron Zemo, who was the bad guy in Captain America's Civil War, is going to return as the villain in this show. So that's kind of an exciting piece of news. It looks like he's going to be also uh, back in the the comic book costume, which has like this purple mask. Uh, so mm. he, he is going to be back and, and be the opponent of, I guess, uh, the Falcon and, and the winter soldier. So this is one, uh, frankly, that I'm really excited for. I've always really enjoyed the, the rapport between those two characters. I think they have a lot of fun and I think they have dope ass combat, especially the way Bucky fights, um, is some of my favorite fighting in the MCU. And I think this is one that they can really ground in reality and shrink the scale um, and, you know, really get back to kind of the roots of like phase one and phase two MCU. Um, I, I am, this might be the thing on the list that I'm most excited for. Wow. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see. it's, it sounds fun. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up on the film side, uh, let's see, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So this this is completely foreign to me. I don't know dick about this this guy. Um, but he is going to be the first Asian star uh, of his own film in the MCU, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Shang-Chi, if I had to... I mean, I, I'm just kind of poking this out. I don't know what you know about Shang-Chi, but is, is he a lot like, like Iron Fist? I don't think it's related necessarily i don't know i i've read it in the past but i forgot about it because it's weird um i mean the the whole the whole mythology behind the iron fist and all that like when they go martial arts stuff it it can kind of get out there with some of that stuff and i believe this is kind of one of those examples where it kind of gets out there i i honestly just wish they wouldn't have made the iron fist tv show and made an iron fist movie instead i Mm -hmm. think that would have been a little bit more uh palatable but at least up front because it, it does have a little bit more of a straightforward, in, from what I remember, a more straightforward kind of idea of how it, everything gets started. But I don't know. I don't know much about Shang-Chi. It's cool. It's cool that it's happening. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm excited for it. And uh, having, a, like, a legitimate martial arts movie in the MCU is going to be pretty cool to watch, I think. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know much about it. And it's, it's going to be one of the things, just like uh, Ant-Man and Guardians, like where we don't know shit. If it looks cool, we're going to be excited about it, and then that'll be the next big thing. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, a couple of exciting bits with Shang-Chi. Also, Aquafina has joined the cast. Mm. Um, we don't know what her role is, but we also have a casting that should be very exciting to uh, Marvel fans. Um, Tony Leung is playing the Mandarin, which is 
uh, going to be the opponent, I guess, of Shang-Chi. Now, Ten Rings, if you remember, is the name of the... Um, it's the name of the the extremist group that that um, that kidnaps Tony in the mm-hmm. first Iron Man, and uh, in Iron Man three, it's the name of uh, the the fake Mandarin's like group. Um, also, so the fact that they're going to be showing like the actual Ten Rings gang and the actual Mandarin, uh, I think, could be very very cool. And the way they reveal that will be interesting. Uh, this is one of those reveals, honestly, though, that I kind of wish I had gotten in the theater. Mm-hmm. But uh, they don't seem to think that that's very important. So, and we're going to get into at least one other thing that I I think the same thing about um, in a bit here. So, are you stoked to have the Mandarin uh, back in the fold? Uh, yeah, that, I think that'll be cool. I bet we get an RDJ, either cameo or past footage usage in this one. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. People get charged up about that. I'm interested in this project. Hate the title, WandaVision is this uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision spinoff show. Uh, Disney Plus series. Um, it's going to have the two of them doing their thing. I like I like those characters. I like Scarlet Witch. I, I really don't like Vision, actually. Um, cool addition to this, though, we're, we've got um, Tiana Paris is going to be playing Monica Rambeau, who is the, the, little, the little girl in Captain Marvel. Uh, the adult version of her is going to feature, mm. apparently, in this WandaVision show. That's so. Cool. Uh, that is cool. She does in the comics have a story where she ends up being like a Captain Marvel type hero. Mm. Um, so we'll see if they if they get into that at all. Uh, but that is going to come out uh, in the spring of 2021. So that's still a couple years out. And actually, I forgot a couple release dates. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is February of 2021. Or no, sorry. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is fall of 2020. Uh, Shang-Chi is February of 2021. So... Uh, they're spacing things out a little bit more here. WandaVision is going to be coming out in the spring of 2021. So I think I think of the ones I've seen so far, this is the one that I think has the most chance to kind of fail uh, as, as a TV show. Because they're, they're really going to have to work to make those parent characters more compelling. They were pretty good side characters, but them carrying something on their own, I have less faith in than, say, a Bucky and, and Falcon. Do you agree or disagree with that? I, I mean, I disagree that it has the most chance to fail just because it's already established. I feel like one of the newer things would be a little bit more of a chance. Like Shang-Chi probably has a better chance to fail than mm-hmm. than sure. that does because we don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I get your point. They're not they're not necessarily a lead character at all. But neither was neither is uh, Falcon or Winter Soldier either. Winter right. Soldier is the definition of a side character. He doesn't have any dialogue in any of these things. So <laughs> other than... Yeah, you can go talk to him now or whatever he says in Endgame. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, it's it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm excited for it. I love Scarlet Witch; she's great, and I don't have as big of a problem as Vision as you do. And it's going to be obviously a, unless they bring back Vision somehow without a without a, a Infinity Stone, it's going to be a, a prequel. So it's not like it's a huge. It doesn't matter a ton. So, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what it is with Vision, but I can't stand him. <laughs> So another, uh, this is one that a lot of people are excited about. We have Loki and his Disney Plus show, which is going to be releasing in the spring of 2021. Uh, it has the maybe the worst logo for a show that I've ever seen in my fucking life. Um, all four letters are in different fonts, which is so annoying to me. But we don't know much about what he's going to do. Uh, the speculation has been that the offshoot of him taking the Tesseract for a moment in Endgame is going to factor into how he works back in. Um, I don't know. They haven't said anything about like where he is or what he's doing or when he's doing it. 
Um, but Tom Hiddleston is back to play Loki. A lot of people are stoked on that character uh, and his his kind of role in the MCU. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not as high on Loki as everybody else is, but I, I'm interested in the show. I think they'll lean a little bit more into some comedy elements, which could be interesting. He is, of course, the god of mischief. But um, I don't. I guess I've never known. Are you are you a big fan of Loki, and are you stoked for his show? Or are you more like me? I'm a little indifferent. Yeah, I mean, probably probably a little bit more indifferent than a fan. I, I mean, I like him. I, I definitely like when he's on screen and enjoy his time. But I'm not. This is not. This is probably my least anticipated uh, Disney show that they're doing. The streaming show that they're doing. Uh, mostly again because this one definitely seems like it won't matter at all, and mm-hmm. and is a hundred percent a prequel and and all that stuff. So and it's not like we've seen a ton of Loki now. So it's not like I'm wondering what he's up to. Like I know what he's up to. He's being a little dickhead. So <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not as curious about this one. I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to get out of this. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, here's something that is curious to me. We have Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Now, first of all, I fucking hate that title, but um, it doesn't have a colon in it, so I guess I shouldn't complain too much. That's true. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is back as Doctor Strange. Uh, Scott Derrickson is going to be directing. Here's a cool thing. Scarlet Witch is going to be involved. Elizabeth Olsen is going to be in Mm -hmm. this one, and uh, it's going to tie in with the WandaVision show. I love this pairing, and it's something I didn't know I wanted until now, so Mm -hmm. I think the two of them together could be very fucking cool. Uh, I want to see all of the un uh, special affected footage of them waving their arms around like dumbasses. <laughs> she doesn't do much waving. She just kind of like does weird things with her fingers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, we have uh, Doctor Strange 2 is coming out in the May of 2021. And this is strange to me. Like they, they are going to go multiverse after effectively saying that they weren't in well, Spider-Man. Or at least they're I, using the word multiverse. That's the thing. So multiverse, I think we I, we've technically I think seen the multiverse in the terms of the MCU, where like I think both with Ant Man and Doctor Strange, you know Doctor Strange in that where he's getting fucking flown around different things. Remember in oh, in, in yeah, the first yeah, one yeah. where where uh, what's her name uh, Tilda Swinton, whatever uh, her name is, ancient the one. Ancient one. So yeah, where where she's where she's like pulling him through different things. I think that's technically what the multiverse is going to be, and uh, I think that's I think that's what it is. So because there's different like there's amoebas and shit that you're seeing in there. Like I think that's I think that's what they're going for. So this is going to be interesting too because there's what they're saying is that uh, this is going to go a little more into some horror elements and mm-hmm. some kind of gothic, you know, dark type stuff. And I'm sure it's going to be heavily comedic and all of that stuff, but. I really like the idea of them going a little bit scary. And, um, you know, when you have Scarlet Witch involved and Doctor Strange, there's a lot you can do with spooky illusions and things like that. We, I don't know who the villain is in this, uh, but I don't know that it's going to matter too much. If, as long as they're maybe they're doing some universe jumping and some scary shit is coming after Doctor Strange. I, I Doctor Strange in Infinity War and Endgame grew a ton on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really liking his character now that he's the really fleshed out. Sorcerer Supreme, uh, and I like what Cumberbatch has done with it. Get that witty dialogue and and everything that he's doing is cool. Um, you know, Scarlet Witch is again. I, I I do actually like her a lot. So this is one that I'm like leaning toward, but also like with an eyebrow raised. That that's did my they, attitude toward it. Did they mention if uh, B D Wong is going to be in this one too? <laughs> 
Here's a, here's another project that to me is is squarely in the interesting realm. Uh, Marvel's What If. Uh, this exists currently as a series of comic books where essentially it's it's what if, you know, blank. And in the comic books, it's things like what if, what if like Ned Leeds got bit by the spider instead of Tony Parker, uh, instead of uh, Peter Tony Parker. Parker, Tony Parker, Jesus. Um, you know, what if, <laughs> that's funny because he's a basketball player too. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Parker. That's what I want to see. What if Tony Parker got bit? That'd be um, dope. That would be fucking funny. Uh, things like what if, um, you know, what if what if Thor had never taken up the hammer and what if someone else had? What if um, what if uh, Bucky had never come back or what if they had grabbed a different guy as a Winter Soldier? Things like that. So it's just basically these thought experiments that are going to be contained within individual episodes of what will be the first animated series in the MCU. Uh, we're going to have uh, the 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 kind of continuing character is going to be the Watcher, which we've heard about Watchers before. Uh, I think we saw them briefly in Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. Uh, mm-hmm. They're basically this like higher being that just watches things. They don't affect anything. <laughs> they just are there to see. Um, I know, pretty creatively named. Um, and so the Watcher is going to be the one who is taking us through all of these different what-if scenarios. And uh, it sounds like uh, some of the MCU actors will be doing voice voice work mm-hmm. um for their part in this so this is one of those things that you know if, if there's if there's anything in this slate that i'm probably not going to watch it's what if because it doesn't you know like like you were saying earlier it really doesn't seem to matter to anything yeah um but there may be a couple cool episodes in there like a spider-man related one that i'll want to tune into and check out uh, and this will probably be pretty easily digestible and short since it's animated so i get i get it you know um uh, it's maybe not going to be my favorite thing but um We'll see. So this is summer of 2021. Uh, is this? Are is that? Uh, I I got a feeling you're in the same boat as me on what if. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not something I'm rushing out to see, but I'll definitely. It, it's not in the theater, so I don't have to. I'm not gonna be uh, immediately pressing play on Disney Plus. Like if uh, the next season of Marvel's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is playing at the same time, then I'm watching that, of course. But <laughs> what if is it's interesting, and I think it'll be fun because. They are if they're bringing back old, you know, different uh, characters and actors, voice actors to do, to do the voices. You know, we could realistically get some episodes with Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans, and it'll be fun to hear them again. Trying, you know, doing the same roles that they that they once did that we all love and will miss. So that could be cool. Here's another uh, Disney Plus show, Hawkeye. Now this is one I I I either had forgotten or was never aware that was in the works, um, but Jeremy Renner is back as Hawkeye. Um, I don't know much about what's going to go on in the show, except that it's going to introduce a new character named Kate Bishop, who is like another Hawkeye. It's like a female Hawkeye, and they're going to be doing their thing together. I don't know when this is going to take place. Uh, it could take place during the snap, in the intervening five years. could take place before or after. I don't know. Um, but I do like Jeremy Renner. Do you think him and that character have the... You know, we've talked about these side characters, the other side characters, and whether or not they're strong enough to carry their own thing. Do you think Hawkeye is? Yeah, for sure. Jeremy Renner is a. I think he's a super compelling actor and cool dude. And I think he could. I think of all of the people who have a sh- have have a show coming out. Uh, have he he has the the best pedigree to 
carry a show. And I think Hawkeye does have some depth to him more than some of the other ones. So I'm excited to, to see this. And the good news is that they can probably save a few dollars because uh, Arrow's ending. So they can just take some of the some of the uh, <laughs> props and, and other things from that show and just carry it on over. There you go. Yeah, I, I do. I do like what you say about Hawkeye. He's he's um, he's got some depth to him. He's maybe the most human character in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they have a chance again, just like with uh, uh I, I keep wanting to say Captain Falcon, uh, <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Punch. Soldier, um, you know, to to ground this in reality, send them on some missions that are Earth based and, and just keep the keep the foundation of the MCU intact. Uh, I like this. I'll, I'll probably be I'll probably be checking out Hawkeye for sure. Here is an interesting one. We have Thor, Love and Thor. Thunder. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth Thor movie. He's the first character to have a fourth movie. Thor. Taika Waititi is back to direct, which is great news. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, both back. Uh, the big news here, Natalie Portman is back as Jane Foster. Now, everyone thought that she was gone. They had they couldn't even get her face into Endgame. Um, they, uh, they kind of just poo-pooed her away from the MCU after Thor The Dark World. But she's back, and back in a major way, because they said at Comic-Con last night that she will be... Uh, Jane Foster will be doing something that she does in the comic books, which is uh, becoming the God of Thunder and wielding Mjolnir. So uh, they must have thrown a whole fucking truckload of money at Natalie Portman and asked her to come <laughs> back and do this. And um, th- this is, again, one of those reveals I would rather have gotten in the theater, but they don't apparently seem to care. I don't know. It, it's the Natalie Portman-Jane Foster thing that hangs me up on this because I was never... I liked her a lot in the first Thor. I really didn't buy her at all, especially alongside Hemsworth in the second Thor. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know. I mean, it would be cool to see someone new wielding Mjolnir. And I like Thor, and I want to get back to him and, and Taika Waititi and all of that stuff. But this is like so – I'm squarely like confused about how I feel on this one. Do you have more clarity on it than I do? Yeah, I'm very excited for this. I think the, for the Natalie Portman thing, I don't think that was her fault. I know – she she wasn't the problem with the first movie at all. I think that there was a lot of other, I think the I think the the tone and everything just all around it was it was a fine movie. It was okay, but it obviously the way they have Thor now is a million times better, uh, at least in my eyes. And I think they've figured out what they what they're doing with Thor now, especially Taika Waititi. And then I know the second movie too. The director had had left the project and. Natalie Portman was upset about it and she just didn't care. So the second one, second time around, that was her. But now they, they understand what they're doing with Thor. Taika Waititi understands what he's doing with it. He's back. He's signed on. He's writing it. I'm very excited about that. He's 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 awesome. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. He's so funny and creative and anything he does, I'm I'm gonna I still need to go watch uh, what we do in the shadows. But anything he does, I th- I think he's he's got a name now and I think he's got the he's got the credibility to to do it. And then the, the the whole Jane Foster thing is a recent thing in the in the comics. And Taika Waititi read it while he was doing uh, Ragnarok, and really wanted to do this story with with this. And it's an it's a really interesting story. I don't know if they're going to do the exact thing, but basically what it what it comes down to is Thor is not worthy worthy any longer of holding Molnir, which doesn't matter because he has Stormbreaker, but he's not worthy of it anymore. And it chooses. Jane Foster she becomes worthy somehow but the issue is that she has cancer and every time she wields Molnir, she 
uh, any, any like her all this all of the chemicals and different things in her body. So like chemotherapy becomes uh, like basically extracted from her body, like it goes away because you have to be pure or something to hold Molnir, as I understand it. So it's killing her to do to to be Thor type of mm. thing. So it's kind of, it's a pretty interesting thing um, in 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 the comics. So I think all around it's great. I I. I can't hold anything from the the movie she was in previously against her because it's there was just a lot of shit going on. They're trying to figure things out. Those movies were pretty mediocre, especially Dark World. That movie was bad. And Ragnarok is, it, I mean, the more and more I think about that movie, it's a top three or four MCU movie for me. I I love that movie a lot. It's it's one of the few MCU movie, MCU movies that I go back and rewatch because it's just so damn fun and enjoyable. And he they really changed how thor is in the mcu with uh, from infinity war and endgame they just they breathe life take away td breathed life into thor and so i'm super this is the one i'm i'm the most excited about i cannot wait for the next thor movie i, I i'm so excited okay you're swinging me a little bit now i'm now i'm a little more excited than i was um because you're right uh this is this is an entirely different team an entirely different character an entirely different director um and a lot has changed in the MCU since the Dark World. So yeah, it it is kind of unfair to hold for me to hold that against Natalie Portman. And like, here's what we know for a fact about Natalie Portman: Homegirl can act. So uh-huh. like, you know, regardless of what's happened in the past, we know that that she is a great actress. Uh, she obviously wants to do this. She could have very easily said "piss off." Um, mm-hmm. So she must be happy to do this. She's a great actress. She is also very fun. You've seen her, you know, on SNL and stuff, doing some goofy and funny shit. So she's got some comedic ability as mm-hmm. well as some dramatic. And so this one could be very good. You, you have swayed me over to the positive side of the fence that I was previously sitting on. So good job. And, uh, and too, like they've built this whole world around Thor now with all these different characters, like, you know, Korg and all that. So they, they have all of this stuff like Thor, the other, the other Thor has just felt very flat and colorless and boring and just it Thor was not a movie I ever really looked forward to, but then Ragnarok comes around and it's just like this bright, fun world that feels lived in that no matter where it's taking place, it just feels there's, there's, there's a feeling to it. Like the other movies didn't have any feeling to it. So to put Natalie Portman back in, and obviously like she, like you said, she didn't have to come back. So she was easily out of the MCU for good. She didn't have to, but I, if, if I, and reading this right and understanding it, it sounds to me like Taika Waititi wanted to to do this movie. She he wanted to do this story with Jane Foster, so he probably requested for her to be in it. And they probably you know backed the money truck up and everything like that. But you know, it's if this is something that Taika Waititi wanted to do and had a passion for. So th- there's for me, there's no reason to doubt what they're going to do with with Natalie Portman because it's something that. There's there's a basis there's a foundation there this this wanted to be made by the director and the writer of this thing so I, I am super excited I can't wait you've won me over I'm now I'm now excited for Thor four <laughs> <laughs> uh, November of 2021 is when we will be getting Thor Love and Thunder which man the titling of this shit like, <laughs> I I don't know man maybe maybe a topic for a different day. Um, Let's get on to what will be the next thing that we'll get uh, in terms of new MCU material. Black Widow and her standalone movie. Of course, Scarlett Johansson is back. This is going to come out next May. So May of 2020. And uh, we've got a pretty cool cast coming together. Um, 
Scarlett Johansson is back. David Harbour is joining as the Red Guardian. Florence Pugh, who we just raved about uh, from Midsummer, is in as a character called Yelena. And then uh, Rachel Weiss is also added as a character named Melina. Um, and uh, a director named Kate Shortland, who I am not familiar with, uh, is at the helm. So Black Widow standalone. We know that this is going to take place prior to the events of Endgame. Um, again, it's one of those situations where what are the stakes? You know, we, we don't know how much this is going to matter, but I do like the idea of really getting into like an espionage thriller type, um, you know, atomic blonde type movie. I'm hoping that's the way they go with this. And I think it could be very cool. Uh, and ScarJo is going to be in some tight leather shit. So I'll, I'll <laughs> certainly be watching that on the biggest screen I can find. So, uh, this is one that I am, I am, uh, cautiously optimistic about, um, and it's going to be interesting too because it is, uh, as I as I s- recall, the it's the next MCU movie we're going to get after mm-hmm. Spider Man. So uh, a pretty big time gap before we jump back in. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a prequel. Uh, it's your first standalone. Kind of a different vibe than some of the obviously different vibe than like Thor. Uh, where are you on Black Widow? Excited. I like the cast a lot. I think it's going to be uh, going to be good. I, I'm excited for the. The feel, it's going to be a little different and not as fantastical and kind of a more probably real real world feel. Uh, David Harbour is exciting. I, as I understand, too, I heard an interview with him. The Red Guardian is basically like the Russian Captain America. So mm-hmm. he's like a super soldier. He's like Russia's answer to Captain America. Um, so that that's going to be kind of cool. I think that's going to be an interesting little story, too. And also his his uh, his name is Alexi, which for fans of his, his actual name is Alexi. So for fans of Stranger Things, uh, there is Alexi he called Smirnoff in that show, <laughs> and so there's kind of a funny little uh, funny funny little like uh, Stranger Things tie-in that people have been talking about online. So yeah, I'm excited. David Harbor, I do like David Harbor a lot. So it'll be fun to have him in the cast. Florence Pugh, like you said, and and uh, Black Widow's a, a. It'll be fun to kind of have this send off for her after what happened in Endgame. This will be a, a good little like wrap up for her. So yeah, very good. This is something that people have been clamoring for for a long, long time. So very cool to see that they're actually getting it done. This last piece of news is uh, it's not even close. My absolute favorite thing to come out of Comic Con. Um, I was in a bar last night uh, after a comedy show and saw this news come across like my Twitter feed or something, and I out loud went, "Holy shit, you guys, stop fucking talking." I need to tell the world about what I just heard. Uh, We found out yesterday that Marvel is going to be doing Blade and they're having Mahershala Ali for Blade. Uh, That's all we know. There's no plot details. There's no release date. There's nothing like that. Uh, But Mahershala Ali is Blade. Get me a fucking ticket right now. I don't care when it is or how much it is. Uh, I am over the moon about this um, because Blade is the shit. And it's going to be hard for them to recast, you know, Blade, that character depended so much on Wesley Snipes, but if there's a, if there's an actor who, who can make it his own and take it over, uh, Mahershala Ali is pretty tough to beat. So I <laughs> am, uh, I am rock hard for Blade. Uh, I'm not even going to mince words. This is, I am positively aroused, uh, at the thought of getting this movie again. <laughs> I don't think I could really add anything to, to that. I think you've pretty well covered it. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected you to. I just thought it was going to be funny to see what you said. <laughs> um, no, it, it's cool. I mean, it's 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 it, it's for me. I mean, Mahershala Ali is isn't an incredible actor, so that's going to be cool. 
it'd be interesting to see how they tie it into the MCU because Blade's not a stereotypical uh, character that's within normal Marvel comics. They don't have him interact with many Marvel characters characters that often in the comics. So that'll be interesting to see how they tie all that in. It's also not a Phase Four film. It's uh, going to be a Phase Five film. So uh, so it's uh, it's it, it it's still further off than than we're than we're you know, very anticipated, very excited about it with Mersh Ali coming out there, but still a ways off. And it's uh, not, I think Thor is the final film in, in phase four. Yeah. So here is the, here's the total phase four slate. Here's the total phase four slate. We have Black Widow next May, uh, Eternals that November, uh, the following year, 2021, we have in February, Shang-Chi in May, Doctor Strange uh, 2, and then Thor that same November. So those well, that's just that's just films though. The those Disney Plus things are actually they are right. part of Phase Four, and they're yes. they're part of the MCU. So yeah. So the, those uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, WandaVision, What If, and Hawkeye are all uh, coming out in the next two years as well. So now that we know the whole slate of what will be Marvel's Phase Four, um, it, it, it we can't even really call it the MCU anymore because it's not all cinematic, but. Um, for me, I I have a hard time really getting stoked about all this. Um, they're they're trying a lot of really different things, and I do I have a certain amount of faith in the MCU. Like they they certainly know what they're doing, but there's not a lot here that gets me really excited about Phase Four. Phase Five is what I'm looking at as very exciting with Blade. Uh, I think that's when we're expecting Fantastic Four. At this Guardians. time, we'll have Guardians 3, uh, the next Spider-Man film probably, and some other things. So I'm kind of looking past Phase 4 right now. I, that, that may, I may stick my foot in my mouth when some of this stuff starts coming out, but I don't know. I, not a lot of this gets me terribly excited, but you know, neither did Guardians of the Galaxy when it first came out. So we'll see. Uh, are you higher on Phase 4 in general than I am? Or I, I, I just think it looks – it's weird, and I, obviously this was going to happen, but it's weird that there's no Iron Man and no Captain America – I get it. It has to be that way. Um, but they're not really, I guess you could consider Thor to be like the OG, but it seems like there really is not any connection to like phase one anymore. Uh, and even though Thor is a phase one character, they've changed him so much since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I think maybe that's why I'm a little nebby on it is it, it feels like an entirely, it feels like a reboot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm just like weird about it. I, I can't really put my finger on it. Nebby. <laughs> I say okay, thanks. a lot. I don't even really know what it means. <laughs> thanks, Grandpa. Yeah, I, I mean, I see what you're saying, and and I do. I have that kind of like hole in my MCU loving heart of not having a Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. I guess I mean for me, I still see Thor as an as an OG. So I'm I'm excited. Hawkeye. I guess like and I think that's that's part of it too. Is you have to now because of Disney Plus not look at those TV shows as TV shows and look at that as part of a chapter in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So your Haw- your Hawkeyes, your I mean Black Black Widow's technically an OG. Hawkeye's an OG. You know the those you have to look at those as part of the MCU now, and it, I think that's going to be an an adjustment. I think it's smart though. I think part of the whole superhero fatigue thing is that they were releasing three movies a year and now they don't have to do that. They can do one to two a year and put these shows out in between because people can watch those at their own pace. They don't have to, if people want to binge them all at once because they love the MCU and want to just ingest it all, then they can do that. But if they want to, they can, you know, if they want to go see 
you know, Black Widow, and then oh yeah, the whatever the first one that's coming out is is out Falcon Winter Soldier. So they want to see, they see Black Widow, and, and then Falcon Winter Soldier comes out, and they could, they can watch that over four, five, six months until the next movie comes out, Internals comes out. So they have that time in between. I think it's smart. I think it's better than putting out movies or people just get overloaded with having to pay, you know, twelve to fifteen dollars to go to the movie. So yeah, that is certainly interesting. I, I guess. For me, I am a lover of the MCU in general, but a problem that I do have with it, and this is, I guess, maybe the hipster part of me, is they know they have us by the balls. And so, like, they know we're going to sit through the fucking credits. And that occasionally pisses me off when they put something stupid at the end, like a cat (laughs) hawking up a fucking Tesseract. Um, (laughs) And now they know they have us so by the balls that they can expect us to watch, you know, five shows that probably are 10 hours a piece. And have it... it, uh, and have it um, tie back into the sh- into the the movies. Uh, that seems like a like that's that's a little much for me. And I'm going to watch it, like obviously. But uh, do you think that's do you think that's fair of them to demand that we now have to watch all this TV? They don't. They're not demanding nothing. That's on you. That's if you want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, though. Like you have to watch it. You if you don't watch it, you can't watch any more of our movies. <laughs> I mean, that kind of seems like what they're saying when they say, like, this, stuff, really, is M- this is stuff as MCU canon. And, like, we're going to get sure. more movies with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so we're going to have to know what happened to them beforehand, right? Are we going to get more movies with them? I don't. I think I think if we were going to get more movies with just them, they would have done that. They would have made a movie. I don't think we're going to get movies with just them. I think, all, I think all of the Disney Plus stuff is just, like, because I think all of it, other than that one, are prequels. So that doesn't really matter. Uh, if if you want to skip this stuff, you can. This is just if you're a fan. And I don't. Falcon and Winter Soldier could also be a prequel. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe not because he has the he has the shield, so that makes sense. So if you're excited about if you're excited about him getting the shield in in Endgame, then yeah, you're gonna tune tune in to watch the show. But all this other stuff seems to be prequels. I don't think it'll be a whole big deal. Plus, we're not coming. We don't even know what the whole big like. Uh, next thing they're building towards is officially yet. We we obviously think it's Secret Wars, but we don't know. And mm-hmm. I doubt if you look back at Phase One of the MCU, we didn't really get an idea of of Thanos until Avengers, I guess. Right. So there was a whole big bunch of movies. Yeah, you get an introduction to characters, but you know they it wasn't like a, a big deal. You can see Avengers and get an idea of who they are. So I think I mean I they're just putting stuff out there for people want to see them and. The vast majority of people want to see this stuff, so I don't think they're really demanding anything. I'm not upset by it. I'm I'm excited about it. I would say the the people, most of the people who spent the two point eight billion dollars to go see Avengers are probably excited about it too. Yeah, that's a fair fucking point. I guess. I feel like you're on, you're on an island here. That's fair. So you you are. I guess I have such a hard time. It, it was such an attachment to the Infinity Saga. And those characters, and, and now everything has changed, and so I never get to live in that world again, uh, except maybe I guess in some of these prequels, or if I go back and watch the old movies. But I, I think I'm, I think I just have an attachment to the original stuff that I'm going to have a hard time letting go for a while. But you're, you're optimistic, and you feel good about about the MCU going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at, I mean, I think every big franchise has this. Like, for, for example, you're a big Star Wars fan, right? Mm-hmm. But there are official books out there that you've never even even known about mm. that tie that tie into this tie into Star Wars. 
um, and and will have some sort of impact into the the movies. All the animated stuff that's out there, that's official. And you haven't watched a, a, an ounce of that. And then it tie, that tied into Solo, which is a movie you liked. So, like, I, I think that to have this extra stuff out there, which is part of the MCU, is included. It's cool. It's, it, you know, it's a lot more, really in the scope of things, it's a lot more content because, like you said, it's 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 more hours. It's eight hours. I think all these are eight, eight episode, quote unquote, miniseries. And you know it, it sure it'll tie in but i don't think it'll be as much of a tie-in as some of these other movies like post credits and all that stuff so it's just like that it's just like star wars where there's a billion things out there that all officially are in there but if you miss it it's not going to kill you you know you're doing a good job at talking me off a of ledges today <laughs> uh, that's a really good point because yeah with star wars if you stick to the stem to the tent poles you still have a pretty good time. So I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. Cause I, I, I will be shocked if I find a way to watch all this shit, mm-hmm. uh, frankly, but, um, uh, as long as it's not going to ruin the movies, if I don't see it all, then I guess I support the idea of there being more content for, for people to enjoy. So, all right. I am, I am calm on the MCU. Yeah. Uh, calm the I fuck am, down. <laughs> uh, I will, I will, I will maintain my faith in Feige and the group there that they will continue to do a good job. That's a lot of MCU talk. Um, but we had a lot of MCU news. A uh, couple other kind of quick bits out of San Diego Comic-Con. Um, we got some trailers, including at least one I know you're stoked for. Um, and that, of course, being Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Reboot. Um, and uh, did this get you just fully aroused? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was fucking cheering in my car uh, during my lunch break uh, watching this trailer. I'm, I'm so excited. Before the MCU universe was built... There was one universe <laughs> that I was much more excited about, and that's the VSQ universe, uh, which is Kevin Smith's movies. And we're getting another chapter in that here at Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Uh, we had th- this was full of references and characters from past movies, including Matt Damon, who's been it was in a bunch of those, oh, and sure. Ben a- and Ben Affleck, who was in a bunch of those as well. Ben Affleck is finally back with Kevin Smith after uh, you know Ben Affleck did you know a bunch of good movies. And became a real actor for a while. <laughs> and uh, they, they, there was, he actually, Kevin Smith posted a, a little story on Facebook and Instagram about uh, how Ben came back to the whole thing and, and they, they kind of rekindled their friendship after a little bit. So that was really nice to read. Nothing like a good heart attack to get friends back in your life. Yeah. But, but it was cool. I mean, there's that, that movie is full of people. Like, there's, there's so many cameos. Like Fred Armisen is in that. Obviously, I mentioned Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, Chris Hemsworth's in the movie. Uh, Joe Manganiello is in the movie. Uh, all like uh, 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 we're we're getting a, a reprised role of Brandon Saint Randy. Oh uh, yes, from, from Zach and Mary. <laughs> it looks like he's a lawyer in this for for Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> oh my God, uh, Craig Robinson uh, is in it as well. So. Um, my question is, if Brandon St. Randy is in this movie, who is in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, uh, is Zack and Mary Make a Porno inside the VSQ universe, which was never actually in there. Uh, it didn't like, it wasn't a VSQ production. So, uh, mm. so, you know, some questions that need to be answered, Kevin Smith, you fucking answer them for me. I might ask that because uh, I'm going to be seeing him. Uh, he's doing a reboot roadshow road tour where he's touring the movie around the United States. And I will be seeing that uh, in October. He, it's one of his first few stops he's doing. So he's doing like a little Q&A and 
uh, him and Jason Mewes are going to be showing the movie. And so maybe I'll ask him that. Maybe I'll ask him if Zack and Miri is is uh, existed inside the Viewisk universe. So I'm excited. Very excited, as you can tell. And I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing the movie on October 15th as well. They're playing it in theaters as like a Fathom Events thing. So it's uh, it's just like a one or two night thing that they're doing it, playing it in the theaters. And then he's doing the tour. So Fucking A. Uh, do you know if we're getting Gila Point? I doubt it. <laughs> if I were to guess, I don't think uh, Tusk and Yoga Hosers exist inside of the the Kevin Smith Viewisk universe. So that would be pretty funny if it did. Well, and actually, Brandon Saint Randy isn't isn't that the guy that plays the guy in Tusk? Yeah, Justin Long plays uh, Brandon Saint Randy as well as uh, oh, what's his name in Tusk? I can't remember his name, but yeah, he's oh, he's the Tusk guy who gets turned into. He gets he gets turned into a walrus at the end. God, I I I sometime I'm gonna watch that movie again. But <laughs> holy cow, what a crazy ass movie! <laughs> uh, some other uh, spiders. Other spiders. Oh God, are you here to kill a spider? <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, some quickie San Diego bites. Uh, we had uh, trailers for the Arrowverse uh, upcoming shows. Uh, Watchmen trailer westworld season three trailer uh more look uh more of a first look trailer at picard which is on cbs all access the walking dead season 10 had a trailer uh terminator dark fate which i can't believe is a fucking film um but is apparently going to be rated r and they also they got back the original kid from uh the terminator 2 so that's kind of cool um and then uh, the two things that excite me the most, we got a Top Gun Maverick trailer, which uh, I understand why people wouldn't be stoked about Top Gun Maverick. I do, but I am because that's how much I, I realized when I was watching that trailer, how much I love Tom Cruise and it is a lot. And they did some interesting stuff with the score in that trailer that harkens back to the eighties score. And I think it's really going to be in the spirit of Top Gun, really fun, really bro is the look, but then also this like aged badass uh, Tom Cruise character. So I'm stoked for for Top Gun. Uh, did you watch that trailer? No, I didn't watch anything that you just listed off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would I would recommend the Top Gun trailer. Uh, it looks pretty dope. It's a lot of like big sweeping shots of him flying a jet, which are pretty mm-hmm. cool. So and I th- I'm sure he fucking flew it himself in this uh, to do it. So. Uh, I'm stoked for Top Gun Maverick. I don't know really what the plot is about. It's just like they just describe him as like this veteran now and uh, show some kind of quick fl- uh, fight stuff. So, uh, um, And then the biggest thing, at least for me and I would assume for you, we got a new trailer for It Chapter 2. Uh, yeah. I, I did not watch it, but it sounds like it's fucking crazy. It's Yeah, it's awesome. I'm very excited for that movie. I don't want to see any more footage, though. I'm done. Done seeing footage. I just want to see the movie. Yep. Very excited for it. Hello. Uh, <laughs> so pumped so yeah going back to tom cruise though real quick um my favorite thing about tom cruise this week he was so conan always does a big thing at at uh, comic-con every year he hosts he actually hosted the it panel oh wow. but he had tom he had tom cruise on his show this week and they were talking about top gun and stuff but then he also he mentioned how his one of his favorite roles for tom cruise is les grossman yes. in tropic thunder and tom cruise did the uh, the fuck your face, fuck your own face line <laughs> that he doesn't in, in traffic. He like did a oh, few holy lines. Holy shit! Of, 
he did a few lines as uh, Les Grossman on on Conan, and Conan was of course dying laughing. So uh, that was cool. I, I, I <laughs> it's cool that he still talks about Top Tropic Thunder because that's like one of his like a lot of people don't even know that's Tom Cruise because I think in the in the credits they just say Les Grossman if I remember right. I don't remember if it says Tom Cruise or not. But. I think they do in the closing credits, but no, okay. it was never announced that he was in it. And mm-hmm. you could watch that entire movie and not recognize him. And then yeah. it's like a funny reveal at the end that you're like, holy shit, that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. And uh, he, he's fucking great. So he, uh, um, very, very much love that he did that. He like asked to be in that. Like someone, mm-hmm. someone like threw him the script and was like, hey, just read this. And he mm-hmm. was like, I want to play this Les Grossman guy and I want to have fat hands. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he said on on Conan. Is that he, yeah. the uh, the director? Who do you remember who the director is? I don't. Ruben Fleisch. I, I can't remember who it is. Anyway, but the director was like, uh, "No, just be you. It's fine. You can just be you. You know, you're funny." And Tom Cruise is like, "No, I'm gonna have fat hands, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna talk like this." And he do he did like the rest, less gross in voice. He's like, "All right, man, go for it." And it just turned into this fucking crazy character. That's. It's one of the best characters in movie history. Oh, he is great. Uh, ben Stiller actually directed Tropic Thunder. I didn't know that. That's who it was. Yeah, Ben. Ben. That's who he said. Ben Stiller was like, nah, man, you, you can just be you. <laughs> and he's like, no. Yeah, he ran with <laughs> I'm that I'm going to have fat hands. Sometimes people forget, like, Tom Cruise is like a fun guy. Um, yeah. He, he, he has a lot of fun with some of his roles. And, uh, and I think that with Top Gun, I think he's going to get back to a little bit of that that kind of uh, bright spirit that he that he mm-hmm. has sometimes so uh, i'm stoked uh, i'm gonna link to a screen rant article that has all the biggest news from san diego comic-con it's gonna link to all the trailers and things that you'll want to watch so uh, make sure you check that out if you want more on any of the stuff we've talked about uh, besides the mcu i'm looking at in in this they have a thumbnail of pennywise looking fucking horrifying yeah. and um that is gonna be a scary film that i am excited to watch I gotta say, man, Pennywise is the fucking protagonist. I'm excited. <laughs> All right, here. So let's let's move on from San Diego Comic Con. That was a lot of movie news. Uh, so let's cleanse the palate with a little bit of Mambo Number Five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number Five. So we are going to get into a review later on of The Lion King. Uh, obviously, the remake of the very popular musical animated film uh, from the '90s. So a uh, big part of the popularity of Disney has been its music in, uh, in some of these animated movies. So what we thought we would do is count down our top five uh, original songs from animated films specifically. So these don't have to be Disney. Um, several of them I'm sure will be. <laughs> but um, but uh, let's get into this. I'm, I'm excited to, to take a little walk. I think we're going to overlap quite a bit, but, uh, but we shall see on the orders uh, so let, let's see what we got here. Number five. Uh, my number five is my only one that's not Disney and one of uh, three movies on my list. Uh, I have <laughs> one. <laughs> a lot of my songs come from the same movie. But this is not a Disney movie. This is a Warner Brothers movie. It's a animated movie about Legos. Everything is awesome is my number five. Oh, snap. I forgot about it. What a fucking nice. Talk about a song that really drives the whole heart of that movie. The way they kick mm-hmm. it off and introduce the world. That's a great ad. Oh yeah, and it's a lonely island. Who is great? So you know, can't uh, can't go wrong with that one. Did you see the Lego Movie too? I did. I liked it. It was good. Um, I uh, didn't. They have a pretty cool closing credit song. They got the little <laughs> yeah. For yeah. Yep. They're great. They're so funny. 
My number five, I've not actually seen Frozen, but I have heard Let It Go a thousand times. And I know people get sick of it. And uh, I know I haven't seen the movie, but like just as a standalone song, Let It Go fucking bangs, man. And uh, Adina Menzel sings the fuck out of it. And Adele yeah, Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. <laughs> and uh, I know this is probably going to be some groans uh, that, are, that are from our podcast listeners. Oh, Let It Go, whatever. But um, that song is dope. And uh, that's it. I stand by it. Let it go. Let it go, Cody. <laughs> yep. <laughs> number four. Uh, number four is a string of uh, one movie, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, Hakuna Matata. What yeah. a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata is a dope one. I know you're expecting a, a can kick, but I, I'm not going to kick it. Okay. Um, I'll explain why later, but uh, okay, man, fine. Hakuna Matata is just so fucking great. Yeah, it's a wonderful phrase. It's now passing craze. Yeah. It means no worries. <laughs> That's it. You want to keep going? Nope, I'm done. If you don't like Hakuna Matata... For the rest of your days. <laughs> oh, God, okay. I was going to say, if you don't like Hakuna Matata, fuck you. Get off me. <laughs> like, there, you have no reason not loving that song. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job of it, of recreating it in the new one as well. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did like it as well. Uh, number four for me comes from, uh, it sounds like we're not going to get a reprise of this uh, in the upcoming live action remake, but Mulan's I'll Make a Man Out of You is, uh, that is just like, and I, we talked about this when we talked about Mulan coming back out last week. Um, I don't have like a super deep connection with the film, but I've heard that song like a thousand times. It's like a popular karaoke song and a lot of people like it. So it plays pretty often. Uh, that song just like on a musical level is fucking awesome. It's got that that breakdown part. Where it's like uh, you must be swift as a coursing river, and it goes into that whole like that like intense part. And uh, it's just a sick ass song. So like even though I, again with with Frozen and with this one, uh, the ones that are higher on my list, I have more of a connection with the film. But um, just on a musical basis, those two are fucking bangers. Don't think I could pick out that song out of a lineup if I heard it. So, oh, I'm sure you could. It's that I'll make a man out of you. You've heard, you, I, you would know it. I've seen Mulan once, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone play it. So, I I'm don't shocked. think I would. Number three. Uh, number three is the number two movie or number two song from this movie. It's a uh, Circle of Life. <laughs> yeah. Talk. Okay. Can you come up? Can you come up with with one movie with a better opening? than that fucking opening number of, of The Lion King, because I can't. Scary Movie 1. <laughs> Scary Movie 1's got to go. I, I think The Dark Knight would be my next my next like mm, competitor. That's a good one. Yeah. What else about, else what else about uh, <laughs> The Circle of Life? I mean, it's, it's that, what you said. It's a great opening. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an, I mean, you can picture, when you hear that song, you can picture the opening of The Lion King. So mm. it just invokes a lot of uh, nostalgia for me. So it's written by Elton John, and there's there's a written, there is a rendition that he does of that song, and it's good, mm. you know. But the voice they had, and I don't know who sings it in the original Lion King or in the new one for that matter, but that is like a powerful James Corden voice. Yeah, James Corden. Um, <laughs> it's such a powerful voice and like an emotion. It, it just it evokes so much. Uh, it's hard not to have uh, in the top five, so I'm glad you included it. Number three, I th- I, I think maybe a can kick for me. Uh, you won our first. Oscars competition off of selecting this one for best original song uh, in the 2018 Oscars. It's Remember Me from Coco. Mm, it's a good one. Okay. Uh, I'm surprised you don't have it because I know you're a fan of no. it. Uh, 
this is it's such a simple little ditty uh and they use it mm-hmm. so well in coco uh in so many different ways and i cried in the final time they play this that is the hardest i've cried probably in any movie ever like i was doing that whole like <gasps> thing that you when you like can't <laughs> breathe <laughs> oh it's a wreck and so that song's always going to bring up some emotion for me. And it's, again, just, it, it's a simple little song with a simple premise, but they, they used it to such effect that I think it elevates it. I do like that one. I just don't have as much, like all these songs I have a connection to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm looking more as a connection to in terms of the movie as opposed to like, I enjoy this song. So that, cause I don't like, otherwise, if I'm just listening to these songs, I don't think I would like them, but because the movie ha- means a lot to me, I connect it that way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't have like all these different songs from different movies. I I just think of when I think of these songs, I, I have different feelings, especially re-seeing Lion King. Uh, not technically re-seeing it, but actually, you know, re-seeing it. Um, I I kind of rediscover that with some of these these songs. So that brings me to my next one, number two, and then my final Lion King song. Uh, this one has a connection not only because of the movie, and I like that that scene so much in the original Lion King, but mostly because of the video game and the back the the instrumental of the song played mm. in the background of, of the lion king and i played that level many many times because it was very difficult uh that's uh i just can't wait to be king oh. i'm shocked it's a positive memory that you have of it from that video <laughs> game. I'll, I'll like i i have the lion king for super nintendo still like i have it currently in my living room and i just played that level over and over again because I love that. Just over and over again. It just does that over and over again. Well, actually, no, it does. It does do like the, it does kind of go a little bit longer at a point. I can't remember how. I think it, it has like now, a flute that does the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least the, you know, the melody. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, I just have so many positive memories of it. And that, that specifically, other than this other, the next, the last song reminds me of childhood so much. So yes, you, I just can't wait to be king is my number two yeah that song is taco bell fire sauce absolutely um number two for me uh again so this is a it's it's a movie i have a connection with but the song itself just goes so hard uh prince ali from aladdin and i uh i really like the original version but i also really like the one in the new aladdin Mm -hmm. they they put some bass in it a little more hip-hop uh influence uh will smith is doing his thing on the vocals uh, it's got that big, like toward the end after they've done, and then they hit you with that really big Prince Ali and they get into the whole breakdown and that's when mm-hmm. they have the bass beats and they have a dance break and the new one, like that shit gets me fired all the way up. Yep. And, uh, that's just a hot ass song. And like, you, th- you think about like, like characters arriving and like a theme to a character, or, like come out music. Uh, mm-hmm. that's about as hard a banger as you're going to, like, if I, if I was going to be a WWE wrestler, I would try to get my name Prince Ali and have that song as my rant music. Wow. You would <laughs> fail. <laughs> you would be, uh, instantly kicked out. No, it, it is great. And yeah, the, 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 the new version and the new Aladdin I thought was awesome. Especially when it like breaks down and gets really slow. Prince Ali. I can't do like the actual rest of it cause it's very hard to understand, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Number one. There's only one answer for this. And uh, it's the only song that has uh, reduced me to tears in the theater, which uh, happened with Toy Story 4. Basically, my favorite part of Toy Story 4 uh, is all downhill after that. Uh, it's uh, You've Got a Friend in Me. Um, mm-hmm. This that, that shit 
reminds me of childhood more than like that song, the, the whole beginning of it. Um, this, that, this, that melody, I can hear that just the beginning melody of it before, before Randy Newman comes in and goes, you got offended me. Um, that, that I can, no matter where I'm at, I can instantly just picture me as a fucking six year old, you know, either just whatever. Like I, I had a CD, uh, that had a ton of Disney songs on it. And I just replayed the fuck out of it over and over and over again of you got a friend in me. Cause I love Toy Story so much and just instantly takes me back to being a kid. Do they re, do they re, uh, redo Mm-mm. it at all for the new movie or is it just the OG recording? No, it's, it was just the, the original. They, the beginning of Toy Story 4, uh, they do like a little scene back with, with Andy and, and, and all that. And then it basically redoes the intro from the first Toy Story where it's like there's clouds. It's like the 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 the, the wallpaper. Uh, wallpaper wallpaper with, with clouds and stuff. And they have the Toy Story 4 logo and, you know, you know like the song and, and all that. And they kind of like do a, a recap time jump thing. And I was fucking just tears rolling down my eyes during that. So I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. Talk about a song that like, if you, if I, if I, if I said, if we did a mambo list of the most like innocent songs of all time, like, and mm-hmm. pure, like that is just such a, just wholesome track. Yeah. And I think that's why it connects with people so much. Cause it takes you back to just innocence and uh, and being fucking six or however old we were when we watched Toy Story, I totally get why that has an emotional connection. Because even even as not a huge fan of Toy Story, that song, uh, well, it it slaps for one thing, but also like it definitely <laughs> takes me back to that time. Uh, so I I should have known had I give had I sat down and given some thought to what your list might be, I, sh- I probably should have known that that was going to be your number one. But uh, yeah, I, obviously, um, obviously, you you would not be the only one including it at number one. Uh, you are the only one including it at number one on this show, though. I I, I cheated with my number one uh, because uh, basically I didn't want to do the thing that you then did because uh, I would have done this entire list from The Lion King. So mm-hmm. I just made my number one every song in The Lion King. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and you mentioned you mentioned obviously the biggest bangers, but like Be Prepared is such an awesome song and it gets such short shrift all the time because the other bangers and then of course can you feel the love tonight uh is amazing as well so uh there is every the lion king would be in the conversation for my favorite movie ever and uh the music from it is a big part why and so i couldn't pick i tried to like pick just one song from the lion king to include on the list and then do other ones but i ended up just saying everything off the lion king uh is the best song ever so well, you cheated, and uh, what, what's that? You spoiled it, and I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined it, and I'm leaving. You ruined it, and I'm leaving. That's it. <laughs> so those are our list. I mean, I, for you and I, this is a lot of like nostalgia-driven um, things, which music and film obviously have uh, a unique way of getting at. So uh, may, there may be others uh, who have different songs for different reasons, but. Uh, you and I were trading about on the same type of stuff. So for the listeners out there, let us know on the tweets or on Facebook uh, SoCo, at SoCo Show Pod. Uh, what were some of your favorite animated uh, musical numbers uh, from from some of these films? Uh, I feel like we got the right answers. You know, even if they're not in the order that people would say, I think we got most of the right answers here. So I think we did a good job. I mean, I got the right answers. You just cheated and and put every song from The Lion King in there. Mm-hmm. 
and I feel like you're disparaging the creators of the music for The Lion King because you're not giving each one its its uh, just uh, its 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 correct uh, its its correct praise because you just decided to lump them all together when each song has its own unique flair and mm-hmm. flavor, unique artist, and you decide that you can just put them all in in one pile, and that that is exactly why our country is going the direction it is. So you, sir, need to. Eat balls. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. Uh, I'm sorry that I insulted you. Uh, yeah. And I would, by the way, I would love to heap praise on everything about The Lion King, uh, but we don't have that kind of fucking time. So uh, yeah. if you'd like to hear me talk about why Can You Feel the Love Tonight is great, or more importantly, why Be Prepared is a super underrated song from The Lion King, uh, see me after class and I would be glad to have that conversation with you. But for now, we got to get on past Mambo number five. Uh, Seth has has participated in some movie homework. We're going to get into our segment, We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and... You're going to need a bigger boat. I'm excited to see... I mean, obviously, everything on the list I've given you is a banger. So I'm excited to hear uh, what what film you chose this week. Uh, I chose a movie that I just felt was the most daunting in terms of uh, time commitment, and I had some time to do that. So I decided to go with Zodiac, Fuck which yeah. is a two out two hour and forty minute movie. Um, but uh, and I was kind of forced. I was watching a dog this weekend who uh, likes to frequently have attention, so I was forced to kind of watch this in like thirty minute parts. <laughs> so. It was kind of it was good that I did that because it actually works to do that in a way because it's very it's very snippet uh, it has a lot of snippets in it it's very like tons of fade uh, like it fades out uh, like a shitload it's it, there's different like t- uh, they, they put a lot of like time stamps in it because it takes place over a large period of time but I I did really really like it a lot so this is uh, David Fincher is that am I right mm-hmm. yep. Okay, and he does the Mindhunter TV show, which is very similar. It's based off of uh, serial killers and murderers, and and uh, so I already had a good basis in this. I love Mindhunter. It's uh, that comes back uh, in about a month for season two, and I could definitely see how Zodiac influenced that show. So very cool. I, I was I was very very uh, pleased by this movie. I I thought the performances all around were awesome. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, th- this is one of his earlier ones. This is like 07, I think. And so this is really when he's starting to come on as a like a, a like a prestige actor. And he does an amazing job. Downey Jr. is awesome in this. I could definitely see some Tony Stark stuff in there, too. And just he, he's he's super solid. Mark Ruffalo was was really good. I mean, they were they were kind of the core of the movie. Uh, some other like uh, other actors who do like bits and in, in other TV shows and movies I really liked. Uh, that kind of came in there too and did a good job. So all around, very very good performances. The story was very compelling. I love the way they they kind of unraveled everything, and it, it's very very real life based because it you know it is a true story, and the way they did the whole thing just felt like the how it would have felt to be a part of this case because it was just very hard to figure everything out and kind of track down and they did their best, but it was, you know, you're very, you're kept guessing the whole time. And so that was, that was, I thought it was really well done. It was, there was a lot of really cool, interesting shots in this, the way they set up some of the, the murders was cool. Just all around. It was awesome movie. So very good recommendation. I'm so glad you liked it. I knew you would. Uh, There is a scene in this that I'm hoping hit you in the way that it hit me. 
uh, and I'll I'll only say that it takes place in a basement, yep. and is maybe the most tense about. shit I've seen in any movie. Did that register yep. the right way for you? Yep. That 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 was yeah that was very tense. That's a that's a butthole puckering scene. So <laughs> I I got caught up on <laughs> one choice that Mark Ruffalo made in this movie. It's very dumb, but I got caught up on it, and I still am. He goes to into a diner to eat lunch or he goes into a diner to talk to another cop or something. And the guy says, uh, he, the guy has a sandwich in front of him and he asks, what are you having? And he says, it's BLT. So the guy like without saying anything, just gives the other half of the BLT to Mark Ruffalo and Mark Ruffalo takes the fucking tomato out of the BLT. No one eats (laughs) a lettuce and bacon sandwich. That's fucking stupid. Mark Ruffalo, keep the tomato in there. I don't care if you don't like the tomato or not. BLTs are a sacred sandwich. You don't ruin it by taking the tomato out of there. All right. That's uh, okay. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's, um, that's, uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Clearly you're passionate about your tomatoes. (laughs) I love tomatoes and I love BLTs. And I just got, I don't know why that stuck with me, but like I'm laying there watching the movie and then he just fucking plops the tomato out of it. And I'm like, I got really caught up in it. I'm like, is that, that has to be a choice, right? Like that can't be in the script. Like. Mark Ruffalo removes tomato from sandwich. Like that's totally a choice he made. <laughs> and then I got real caught up in that. I had to rewind. <laughs> this goes back to what we talked about earlier. Uh, your passion for food is 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 unparalleled. <laughs> I'm very hungry right now. I haven't had dinner yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hungry too. Let's get through this podcast so we can get some fucking BLTs, man. Um, I am going to give you a, oh, a shit, movie I that I think you haven't seen. Um, but I'm going to continue you on a Jake Gyllenhaal train with another fantastic performance of his. It is Nightcrawler. You haven't seen this, right? <laughs> I have not, but I believe it's on Netflix, so that's cool. Okay, good. Uh, Riz Ahmed is in this as well, and it's it's going to have a lot of what you liked in Zodiac. It's got some skeezy dirtiness to it. Uh, Gyllenhaal in this is, is is just slightly different, and so he's he's... You've never seen him quite like this before, but you'll be able to see the influence of some of the things that you that you have already enjoyed him in. Uh, so I think you're going to dig Nightcrawler a lot, and uh, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are about it. So, uh, so for Nightcrawler, you just made the list. There you go. So, uh, Seth, you have two weeks to watch either. Uh, I think it's Equilibrium, Steve Jobs, Cabin in the Woods, How to Train Your Dragon, or Nightcrawler. If mm-hmm. I have the list correctly, uh, that's right. I will be uh, doing my uh, book report on uh, either Toy Story Three, If Beale Street Could Talk, Call Me by Your Name, Wally, or Leave No Trace for next week's episode. So uh, make sure you come on back in seven days uh, to hear the next edition seven of days. We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, am. You're gonna need a bigger boat. A, a big, a big movie weekend for Avengers, obviously, uh, over this past week, and a big Disney release came out as well. Uh, we're gonna talk about that and more in this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. So uh, we're obviously gonna talk Lion King, and we can start there. Uh, but I am excited to hear about a couple of indie movies that you saw. Uh, very excited to to hear. Uh, about those but uh let's go ahead and start with the lion king i mean we, we talked about it a bit ago this goes back to our childhood childhoods in a major way 
they're really trading on nostalgia in the, the uh, I don't know, some people are describing it as live action, but it's very obviously computer generated. Um, so whatever. The new Lion King. Um, a, couple, a couple things that I noted, uh, they did not change a lot here. Uh, for, mm-hmm. for fans of the Lion King, uh, the, you, you know what's going to happen in this movie. There aren't a lot of surprises. There are a couple of surprises that are primarily used for comedic effect that I really uh-huh. enjoyed. Yep. And uh, But other than that, I mean, what you got is the Lion King, man. You could watch these films on a split screen almost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I liked that they kind of did some misleading things with the by taking the past. It was mostly around Timon and Pumbaa where mm-hmm. they took past things and then they made you think they're going a direction they take it another way um i just had this thought real quick before we go just a little bit further i was just thinking uh the box office right now of all the movies that are in the theater currently at least in my theater uh that are either disney or marvel or just disney i guess in general it's marvel slash disney so i just looked at this real quick lion king disney marvel spider-man far from home disney marvel toy story 4 disney marvel aladdin disney marvel and avengers endgame disney marvel (laughs) And that's probably what three and a half billion dollars total between those. <laughs> so six crazy. Movies? That's fuck. Yeah. That if you wondered, so if you crazy. wondered whether or not the a monopoly was possible in the United States, uh, we pretty much have it. <laughs> but yeah, no. Going back to Lion King, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, there, my only real issue with the movie was the young Simba voice actor. I and I think part of that is due to that these animals can't show a ton of emotion. Like in the original Lion King, when they're scared, when young Simba's scared, his eyes are crazy open, you Mm -hmm. know? And they couldn't really show that. But even so, I just thought the way he was going with his voice when he was talking and the way he was like really going for it when he was singing, it just felt like he was in a different, he was doing a different performance than what the, what was on screen and what needed to be done. So I just felt... I didn't like it. I, di- I didn't like his his portrayal of young Simba. But then when Donald Clover comes on the screen, um, he was great. I thought his his adult Simba was perfect for what it needed to be. I thought everything matched. His singing was great. Um, all the other voice acting in general I thought was great. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I had a good time. It made me feel a little nostalgic. nostalgic. It was so cool to see this stuff come to life. Um, I, I loved the little nod Disney had to at the beginning when they do like the, you know, the, the castle and the, the fireworks and stuff. It looked like it did in 94 when the original one came out too, which was kind of cool. Um, all of it was great. I, I, I had a good time. Yeah. I, I did really enjoy this also. Um, there is the gripe obviously with the emotion on the faces. I was able to look past that. Um, but there were moments here. If I have, if I have a gripe or two with this, there were moments, and this may have just been my theater, where I didn't get enough. I didn't get the bass in the voices as much as I would have liked, and so it it made for this like strange, uh, like disconnect where uh, there were scenes where I thought that the the mouths weren't matching the voice, and not only just not only just like being the lips off, but like the way some of the lines were delivered, especially with Mufasa in this. Uh, I thought more bass was called for. Like, I didn't feel, like, specifically Mufasa's dialogue, I didn't feel it as much as I'm used to feeling it when I watch it. And it could be because James Earl Jones is fucking 90 years old now, and he's just too <laughs> weak to, to get that deep. But, like, there were some moments in here where I really wanted some more... Uh, I wanted more out of the voices when they were, like, speaking in different parts. Mm-hmm. But 
other than that, I, I didn't really have a problem with, with the realistic lions. I thought they did a beautiful job of building this world in CG. Like, everything in this is CG, and it looks mm-hmm. so realistic, you know. And they they keep it grounded to reality in a way. It, it's, it, it doesn't get cartoony really ever. Um, so, like, this is a movie you could pause it at any point and say that's a piece of art right there. Mm-hmm. And I would hang any of it on my wall. So uh, they did a beautiful job of the CG. Uh, the voice work and on the whole was good. Um, I was talking to someone earlier about this movie, and I was like, as much as I hate to say this, like, the the white characters in this really did awesome. Um, <laughs> Timon, Pumbaa, and, uh, and, and Zazu uh, were great. I, I loved Billy Eichner, Seth Rogen, and, uh, and John Oliver. Uh, I loved all those characters. They, I guess... Seth Rogen's singing left a little to be desired. Oh yeah, that was bad. <laughs> they did steer into that for comedy. <laughs> that was in a straight way that bad. Was Not even desired. It was straight bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Billy Eichner can fucking sing, and, and John Oliver did just enough. Um, but uh, those the side characters in this were great. I think, I think for fans of the Lion King, um, you're gonna get almost all the nostalgia that you got. Uh, you're gonna get most of the really good dialogue you got. Um, but this is not going to replace the Lion King in your hearts. At least it's not in mine. If when I go to watch the Lion King again, it will be the original one. But that's not necessarily right. a condemnation of this film. I thought this was a really well done job. It's like hearing a story that you love to hear just told by a different person. And mm-hmm. uh, they made enough cha- changes to make it kind of unique and stand on its own. But um, in general, you're getting the Lion King. And the the music I thought was great, uh, especially Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Uh, I just can't wait to be king in Hakuna Matata. Those those were um, really really well done and, and great new renditions. I didn't love what they did with Be Prepared, but I understand uh, why it needed to be changed up some. And then of course the opening Circle of Life is is beautiful. I dug this a lot, man. I really did. Uh, what, maybe my favorite thing about this though, Scar. I thought they crushed Scar out of the park in this. Um, they nailed the voice. Every time he was on screen, it would darken. Uh, the score behind him was menacing. Like I was afraid of Scar here in a way that I thought was even maybe more effective than in the original. So if there's a thing that I think they improved on, it's that. But on the whole, this is just, it's just a warm blanket of a movie and people are going to nitpick and poke (laughs) holes and all of that stuff. But like there's enough nostalgia and connection to the original here that I don't fucking care. I really don't. (laughs) I don't care what anybody has to say bad about it at all. Well said. I think you. I think you liked it a lot more than I did. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a good time, but I don't have a lot to. Uh, I don't have a lot to to praise. I mean, like you said, I, I feel like I will never watch this version again. I will always watch the animated version a hundred mm-hmm. times over. But it was good. I had a good time at the theater. It gave me a little nostalgia trip. I thought all the performances were were good, minus the young Simba. The music was fun. I missed. I did miss a few like com- comedic. Uh, songs and things they they did. Uh, I was missing like the the lovely bunch of coconut song was mm-hmm. gone. I did miss that and uh, the the he uh, where they distract yeah <laughs> with the with the the luau thing. But mm-hmm. otherwise, though, I mean, like I said, definitely worth. It's worth checking if you're a fan of Lion King. It's worth checking out. It's a fun little time. Uh, I think it's very well done. Also, too, I I, I read. John Favreau directed this movie through a VR headset. All the thing, everything you saw was done Shut through a VR headset. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So no, all all around, all the all the way done, all the way around. It was well done and uh, had a good time. So. Yeah, that's uh, quite. 
it's <laughs> yeah i could have done my review in 10 seconds and you did a better job i needed to i needed to splurge a little bit so uh, <laughs> that's all i saw this week but you saw a couple movies that i'm excited to hear about some indie stuff that's going on um and uh we're getting to the point of the year where some indie stuff may be appearing in some rewards awards conversation later on in the year um still early but um some good stuff coming out so uh you've got two different ones i'll let you pick which one you want to do first i'm going to sit back and listen yeah, I'll try to be brief about these as well. But uh, the first one I'll talk about is The Art of Self-Defense, which is a uh, movie, a little, little bit more of a wide wide movie. I think this had a little bit wider of a re- release this week. But it stars Jesse Eisenberg uh, in Imogen Poots. And uh, what, <laughs> what, this, <laughs> what this is, Jesse Eisenberg is this. He's an accountant who's kind of, he's, he's, He's a loner. He lives with a dog. He's kind of weird. He seems like he has some sort of maybe like autism or something like that, where he's just not quite, he doesn't quite understand how to interact with people, but he gets, he gets mugged and he first goes and decides he's going to buy a gun for self-protection. And there's like a string of muggings going around in the city as well. So uh, if you go out at night, they they advise you not to go out at night and that type of thing. But he has... He has an idea to go buy a gun. There's a waiting period because of the, and they make a joke about this, uh, where you know if you if you go and buy a gun, you, you, they have the waiting period so you don't uh, kill someone. <laughs> and so during that time, there's that waiting period. He finds a dojo and signs up for for classes because he wants to have some sort of self defense. And so that's where this movie. That's kind of like the main the main plot. Saying too much more would would kind of reveal too many things but this movie is very strange it's very weird it has a very dry and on the nose uh sense of humor very it's a very dark kind like not dark and like depressing but just like the jokes that they go for the humor that they go for is like very uh it's based off of things like uh toxic masculinity that's a huge theme in this movie and so especially around like the dojo and things like that so there's a lot of like jokes based off of like uncomfortable situations and like kind of some more brutal stuff as well. And it's, it's very on the nose in, in, in regards to the toxic, toxic masculinity stuff. And it, it goes in just very weird places, not like weird, like horse dick and sorry to bother you, but like weird. <laughs> it's funny in, that you brought that up. That's, that's what I was going to ask it, you was how much it reminds you of that movie. It has a very similar humor style to it. Very just like dry and on the nose and like observational in terms of like what you're seeing on the screen. It kind of they're like they, they make jokes based off of like how kind of crazy that is, but in like a real way. Like it's it, it's like this is the world and we're making jokes about it, but it's not meant to be like funny jokes. It's meant to be like often audience referential jokes that type of thing it's very it's strange it's very just like i won't say quirky because it doesn't have like a happy happy term but it's just like very matter of fact jokes of what you just saw and it's just like you're laughing because it's so fucking crazy type of thing it's weird it's very weird but i did enjoy the movie overall jesse eisenberg does an awesome job he's the lead of this movie and uh, i did I, I don't know if i even mentioned that um because <laughs> i don't know where i just went off of in, in, in this review but uh jesse eisenberg does a really good job and he 
uh, he embodies this character and uh, he he's able to get across all the points they're going for in a in a in a very very uh impactful way i think and because it is mostly about the toxic 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 masculinity stuff it it i mean it can go in some uncomfortable places but it also and i think this is gonna for for guys who have a problem with that term uh it's gonna rub them the wrong way so they're probably they probably wouldn't see this to begin with but if they did uh it would very much rub them the wrong way because it goes very heavy-handed into that stuff and so if you have a problem with that term or that whole you know that the idea of it at all you're not gonna enjoy this movie for people who uh, realize that it's an actual thing you're gonna enjoy this because it does it does very much make fun of that and also bring attention to it and I think it. I think it's. Uh, I think it does a lot of good by by pointing this stuff out and uh, making fun of it, but also realizing that's a serious thing. So I, I I really did enjoy this movie. I think it has an interesting message to it, and uh, will make will make you laugh. Maybe not in the best way possible, but it, there's a lot of humor here. I think that lands and uh, it does it in a way that that has a has a point to it. So I think it's worth checking out. It's a small movie. Uh, and I think it's worth worth going to to see in the theater or you know on VOD when that when that point comes. I like the sound of this one, um, and I, I it's good to see Jesse Eisenberg. I feel like I haven't seen him in a while, um, but uh, I have I've liked pretty much everything that he's done, which is great. So I, I am excited to check this one out. I like a good uh, a good woke comedy, um, and uh, to hear it to hear it in the same vein as Sorry to Bother You, which is a movie that uh, we had a complicated. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, review of when it came out. Um, I think that, uh, on the whole, it's a good film, especially given the distance we now have from it. And so if, if it's, <laughs> if it's giving you, uh, reminders of that one, then, uh, then that's, that's a good endorsement for me. So I'm excited to check this out. It is. I just, uh, just did a quick search. It is playing in my theater here locally. So I may try to get to that yeah. this week. It had a, I think it had a limited release last weekend and then became wide release this weekend. So, uh, at least wide as wide as possible. So, yeah, definitely uh, worth checking out. So, all right, this last movie, uh, Wild Rose, is a much smaller movie. But as we all know about the small independent movies, I tend to love them. No different here. And uh, Wild Rose, this is a story of Rose Lynn. She is a convicted felon who is in she's in this takes place in glasgow scotland and she is a uh, she loves country music she is she is a country music singer she's really good she has a lot of promise and and talent but she kind of screws things up in her life so she goes to jail as a convicted felon is in jail for for a year comes out and she has been in this time in, in jail the whole time just basically only thinking about country music and singing and getting getting in front of people who can get her to Nashville her whole goal is to get to Nashville to sing in the Grand Ole Opry and and become a, bit, a famous country music singer and but in, in her real life in her life outside of prison and country music she has two children and uh, I think they're five and eight and then she has her her mother is taking care of him, who's played by Julie Walters. Um, the the girl who plays Rosalind, Jessie Buckley, she's very new, uh, young young actress. She's been in, in a couple things uh, that that have been I think TV shows. She was in that Taboo show with with Tom Hardy. Oh, okay, that yeah, that fucking weird show. Yeah, 
Yeah, she was in that. But she is she is from also from she's from Scotland and she is a she was on kind of like one of Scotland's version of American Idol type thing. So she's a singer, but also an actress. And so that can be tricky sometimes, but she pulls off both. I mean, she's an amazing singer and an amazing actress as well. She and I think part of it, too, is like I don't think she had to do too much of a stretch here in terms of what she's doing. Obviously, like she she has the whole idea down of wanting to make it as a big singer and and you know live that type of life so she has i don't i don't i doubt she has the same story she has with her kids and her mom and stuff but that she has she has that down so it's not like much of a stretch for her to do and she she has an amazing job in this movie she carries it she's the lead of this she's on every single frame of the movie and she she carries the movie she's awesome she is excellent in this uh julie walters is her mom julie walters she uh for i think her most she, she's like one of those actresses that you've seen a billion times, but you can't like really point out. But her most notable role, she's Molly Weasley in the Harry Potter movies. So, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. She, she's awesome in this as well. The, the, this movie has a ton of different avenues you can go down in terms of relationships. I mean, the, the main one is her and, and uh, is Rosalind and her mom. And her mom is, she realizes that Rose has the talent, but she also realizes that she's a shitty ass person who, doesn't doesn't uh take responsibility she has these kids that she's not really taking care of and she always wants to go out and party and sing and only focuses on her career and she's made a ton of bad decisions she had she had these kids her first kid she had when she was 16 so it's you know she's clearly like you know irresponsible and doesn't want to take care of them and things like that and so she's trying to instill responsibility into her but she doesn't it's not getting through and and she's having a hard time and she's basically raising her daughter's kids for her type of thing there's also the relationship with the kids uh rose doesn't i mean when she comes back from jail she has like an eight-year-old daughter who really just doesn't even know how to talk to her because you know she's missing for a year and the the daughter is just closed off and then the, she has a the son five-year-old son who's like just very wild and, and crazy and doesn't quite understand what's going on with with her mom but uh only cares about her grandma his grandma basically like that's he already feels like that's her mom his mom so there's that relationship and then she also after getting out of jail gets a job as a uh maid basically and at uh, this for like this rich rich family and so she kind of through this job uh she she's caught singing one day and she the 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 mother uh, for for this family uh stay she's a stay-at-home mom and she she hears the singing and and really starts to kind of push her career to places it's never been and so there's that there's that relationship where she hides uh, rosalind hides the that she's had that she has two kids and that she has stuff that ties her down here she just wants to be a singer so she basically just goes along and says you know i'll do whatever i you know i'm, I'm a free person so there's that relationship and there's the the trust and distrust that's built and that that's just the overall relationships and the themes of the, the movie that doesn't even account for like again the performances and the music in this. Uh, the music is incredible. I'm not a huge country music fan, but the the how amazing of a singer she is. It it just translate translates no matter what if you're a fan of country or not. Uh, they do take the the majority of this movie is covers of songs, but there is a few original songs as well. And the original songs again, like that was my issue with like Teen Spirit that came out a few months ago. There was no original song, so it was hard for me to really connect to that movie because they didn't have anything that felt symbiotic with the movie. This one has the, there's like one major song in this that is 
basically about her. And when they do that song, it's it's such an emotional and uh, impactful scene that was incredible. And again, coupled with that, she is an amazing singer uh, all around. Was was awesome. So uh, this this had everything I wanted into it. I absolutely loved the movie from beginning to end. They they catch you at the beginning with the music, and they they finish it out with the music, and it's. It's awesome. It it had it had everything I wanted. Performances were outstanding. Music was great. The story was 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 perfect and went places that I was hoping they would go, and they did. And uh, it's not overly depressing like some other movies, uh, especially <laughs> like you know Stars Stars Born. That's a pretty depressing movie. By the time you get to the end of it, this one has a little bit happier, uh, a lot happier stuff happened and in, into it, and and is uh, overall just a, an amazing journey with with Rosalind. So. I love this. I couldn't rec- recommend this movie enough. Uh, it's You probably won't get a chance to see it in your theater, but when it comes out in VOD, hopefully in the next couple months, it is definitely a, a must-rent. I, I, I love this movie a lot. It occurred to me that I had seen this trailer, um, and it, it did look really interesting, so I'm glad to hear that they executed on it. And i got to say, I am, I am so happy that you're getting into these musical movies, uh, and, really, <laughs> and, and not only that you're enjoying them, but that so many of them are coming out. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think music can really elevate uh, a movie, and it sounds like that's the case here. Uh, so I am definitely excited to check this one out. And for such a raving review, I think I think for for Wild Rose, you get a fucking cookie and a star. There we go. <laughs> that's that's about as good as you're gonna get uh, here on the Soco Show. So uh, Wild Rose and uh, the Art of Self Defense, in addition to The Lion King, uh, pretty solid week of movies. Uh, So get out, check those out. Let us know on Facebook or on the tweets uh, what you thought of those films. So that's going to be it for this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. I hated it. This week, the only thing I know that's coming out that I'm seeing for sure is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, crap. Is that this week? (laughs) Oh, man. I was forgetting and now I'm all excited. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, doggy. Let's see. But no indies for me this week. I'm I'm gonna try and catch one on VOD. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is gonna gonna do some things for us. So. Oh God, yes. I uh, am so turned. I think this is my number two most anticipated movie coming into the year. So uh, and now I'm all stoked, and now I gotta wait all week for that movie. So uh, very well, excited to see Once Upon a Time. Kevin Smith's daughter's in it. I'm excited. Yeah, there you go. Of all the reasons to be excited, I guess that is one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, after reviews, we are going to wrap the show up, but not before we'll give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. So, I am going to uh, pimp out another YouTube channel. Um, this is something that I... At Jared Buckendall. <laughs> that was actually a really good... That's, that sounded just like the real thing. At Jared Buckendall. <laughs> Uh, at Jared Buckendall. <laughs> before before I before I go on with my one more thing, uh, I do want to point folks back to Jared. Uh, you know, we um, we occasionally I, I feel like we mention him all the time, but uh, do want to make sure folks are going to his uh, link in the description box. Uh, make sure you subscribe to JB. He did a Lion King review uh, recently, and he's got a yeah. lot of uh, cool shit going on over on his channel. He so also, he's a, he's a good follow also on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Jared Buckendall in both those places as well. He also went to the art of self defense and uh, reviewed that as well. So there you go. Uh, check that. Check one out. Check to see, check that out to see if his thoughts align with mine. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I already know. Besides the reviews and the videos, though, uh, really great Twitter and Instagram follow. He's posting a lot of like comedic clips and tweets and things like that. So uh, follow Jared, whatever, whatever it is you're going to follow. Uh, anybody, really. So uh, another YouTube channel that I have really liked. Um, the, the channel is for Wired, which is a magazine. Um, but they have a playlist in there, a, a show on their channel called Technique Critique. And I fucking love this show. I found this, uh, it was recommended to me on, on YouTube, like a, you might like this thing. So I watch a lot of stuff about movies on YouTube and mm-hmm. I, on a night where I couldn't sleep, I was up in the middle of the night and I put some of these on and holy shit. So what this is, is they take an actual real life expert from something and they, they show them a bunch of movie scenes where they're doing this person's expertise in a movie. So, for example, there's a hacker episode where there's an actual mm-hmm. computer uh, security expert going through some scenes from movies and TV and saying how realistic and how not realistic um, the hacking is. Uh, one thing that you'll be excited to hear about uh, uh, in that episode, Mr. Robot was something that they said they get really, really close to realistic. Um, yeah, something that I've I, heard that. I know, yeah, I know you've heard about... Um, about that show. Uh, one of my favorite things though, they have a few episodes where they have a dialogue, uh, a dialect coach come in and he's, he is analyzing accents and dialects in movies. And that shit is crazy interesting. At least to me, he's looking at like, Oh, here's, uh, um, here's Philip Seymour Hoffman's Truman Capote impression and that stuff. So he's analyzing like how good is their, uh, their, impersonation so to speak how realistic is it to the actual person or to the actual area that they're from he's talking about like how to shape letters in your mouth and so i'm i like watching those and trying to replicate some of the techniques that he's talking about um there is uh there's a doctor episode i think a couple doctor episodes a couple lawyer episodes and it's a really interesting way to get like a lot of cool scenes watched uh and learn a couple things and uh, I'm really enjoying them. They're about 20 minutes a piece. Uh, and I'm linking in the description box to the playlist where you can watch all the episodes. I, I'm really enjoying them. I think I think a lot of our, our listeners will too. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah, Mr. Robot, um, I have heard that as well. And they released a small little teaser for the final season. Comes out, I think, uh, later on this year. And uh, very excited for Mr. Robot. <laughs> so that's not my one more thing. But uh, that's one of the few trailers I did watch. And I got a little uh, boner from it. So thanks. Um, so, You're welcome. uh, yeah, <laughs> my one more thing is a Netflix show. I'm not going to review it because it's not really like a reviewable show, uh, nothing like really substantial for it, but it's comedians and cars getting coffee. The newest season came out very, I mean, I think it was originally like a, a, a an internet show or YouTube show, uh, where Jerry Seinfeld drives around with cool cars and funny comedians and, and interviews them just kind of a casual interview style, but it, uh, you know, he basically ripped off the ride home, you know, so whatever. Yeah, that motherfucker. But, yeah, <laughs> but but this season is really cool. He had a lot of really cool guests on there. Uh, Seth Rogen, Melissa Villasenor, he had Ricky Gervais back, Matthew Broderick. But by far the best one, it's the longest one, it's like 43 minutes. Mo- again, most are like 15 to 20 minutes. This one is 43. It was Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's was awesome. Uh, again, we, we talked about, uh, his stand-up special coming out. I mentioned this a little bit, but they go into some really deep and, uh, really interesting things about his career that you don't really get from him. Eddie Murphy doesn't do a lot of interviews. Doesn't, he's very, very, uh, 
very personal type of guy. He just doesn't let a lot of stuff out there. But when you hear him on this, uh, and him and Jerry Seinfeld have been friends for years, you get a lot. You get a lot more stuff out of him with with having just being friends with Jerry Seinfeld and just being driving around in a car and in, in L.A. and and it's just very casual. And so you get some fu- little funny snippets and stuff, but you also get a lot of insight into his mind of, of certain moments of his career. And that's really cool. So if you're going to watch any of the show, and it's a very easy show to watch, again, very short, very, very light for for a lot of the stuff, not a lot of like heavy topics they go into. But that's one I would say, if you're a fan of comedy at all, if you're a fan of Eddie Murphy at all, watch that one because it's, it's, it's just cool to see him in that element that you don't get to see very often and you get a lot of cool information out of it. So, and it's funny. So definitely check that out. Boom. I dig it. Yeah, anytime you can get guys like that, you know, kind of take the guard down. You don't, you don't really get that on the late night shows. Um, they're they're putting on to some extent, but you can get you get mm-hmm. those guys really casual and telling some stories and stuff. Some insightful shit that those guys tend to say. So, um, I like it. I, I'm not I've not uh, historically watched that show, but uh, the Eddie Murphy thing does does certainly interest me. So I might check that out. So we have comedians in cars getting coffee and technique critiques this week. And one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to bring us to the end of episode 104, our two-year anniversary slash octaversary episode. Uh, very, very fun episode. Uh, we got into a, a lot of stuff. We didn't have like a lot of topics. I was like, I wonder how long we'll go. Yeah, we found a Mm-mm. way. We found a way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Drake uh, and Josh. We found a way. There you go. There you go. Uh, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is you get the podcast. Uh, like us, comment, all that stuff. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Seth is on the tweets. I'm on, I'm on Facebook at Soco Show Pod. Uh, go on there, comment, be a part of the conversation, and also help us out by inviting some of your friends to listen in as well. Always happy to grow the audience. So that, that that's going to be it. We'll be we'll be back in seven days with episode number 105 for the Soho Seth Odd. I've been the co-host Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye. I'm going to go eat some square pizza.